What is going on everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming and welcome to the 58th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today it is my great honor and privilege to be joined by my good pal Jeff Grubb of GamesBeat. Jeff, first and foremost, how you holding up? It's been a month. I'm I'm doing okay. Like we're over the hump now. We just all we have to do is brace ourselves for the coming of Kirby. But other than that, I'm 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 good. Like we we got through the Steam Deck. Elden Ring is out now. Uh, uh, I forget what Horizon was before that. There was uh, uh, games. Uh, Dying Light Two. I completely forgot Dying Light Two came out until just this moment. Dying Light Two uh, feels like it came out 15 years ago. At this yeah. Point. Wow. So we we got through it. We're on the other side, and now mostly I'm just like enjoying sitting around playing playing the Steam Deck. That's what. So I'm like, I'm hey, we made it. We got coverage out. Everyone seems to be understanding like what the Steam Deck is. So I feel pretty good about that. And now I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna enjoy having one of these things. Yeah, it's it's been exciting. Obviously, there's been Elden Ring. There's been Steam Deck. There's been uh, Destiny Two, Witch Queen, Dying Light, Horizon. Uh, this month has been one of the most ridiculously packed months that has ever happened in gaming, for whatever reason. Cyberpunk, the 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 current gen update finally came out. So there's been a lot of noteworthy things happening in the month of February. Uh, today we're going to be diving into Elden Ring's massive launch. Our thoughts on the game. I know you and I come from slightly different backgrounds regarding from software and their RPGs. Right. Um, we're going to be talking about the Steam Deck, our impressions. We both put out some reviews this week. We both had a few weeks to really, you know, get our hands on it and see what this weird portable PC thing from from Valve is. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the future of gaming subscriptions. But before we get into all of that, Jeff, for the amazing people here who maybe don't know, let everyone know who you are and where they can find you. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Grubb. I write over on GamesBeat, uh, do a lot of coverage there. I, I tweet a lot about games for, for the Jeff Grubb's Game Mess, where we try to keep track of what's happening with all the events everywhere. Uh, there's apparently there's a Pokemon event tomorrow. So oh, God, that's right. There's like that. a, Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to stop, actually. Uh, and, and then I do a show on uh, Giant Bomb called uh, uh, Grub Snacks is what it's called. And you should tune in for that. It's on Thursdays Live where I talk about, you know, you know uh, big news that I'm able to break and stuff like that and answer questions from the community. So, but yeah, that, that's me. Not, m mostly, though, I'm a friend of Miles. Hey, that's what I love to hear. Love having you on. Again, I'm excited. You and I have, you know, spent a lot of time with the Steam Deck. That's going to be a big part of the show. Um, my reviews for Elden Ring and Steam Deck are live over on Windows Central. Um, I've for whatever reason, agreed to do both in the same week. So for everyone who checked those out, shared those, sent kind words, really appreciate it. Uh, the last two weeks for me have been uh, a real doozy, if you will. Um, so let's dive straight into the, the big, the hot topic right now, and that is Elden Ring. It is out after years of... <clears throat> anticipation, speculation, the, the weird build-up saga that you've been a key pillar in uh, with this kind of cultish, uh, feverish anticipation for Elden Ring, it's out. It is out in the wild. And there's been a lot of, you know, leading up to this, there was a lot of people in different camps about expectations for how this would perform. Looking at previous From Software games, um, none of them really exploded per se in terms of sales, concurrent players, um, that being said, a lot of a lot of people, myself included, thought that this would be the biggest from software launch by by a lot. And we've got some some figures to look at now that say, yes, it is the biggest from software launch by a lot. 
It broke 750,000 concurrent players in the first couple hours Just and is wild. currently sitting at 860,000. It is still it's still just going up. People are saying it's probably going to hit over 1 million concurrent players on Steam alone. For some context for everyone here, some other figures. Dark Souls 3, which was the previous peak for from software, 130,000. So the Elden Ring, for more context, has more concurrent players than all of previous From Software's titles combined and doubled. That is that is the level. It is <laughs> one of the highest. I think it's number six now of like all time on Steam concurrent players. So the game right. is absolutely <laughs> massive. So when I had Benji on a few few weeks ago, we talked about sales expectations for Elden Ring. Um, I threw out some figures, but I am curious to know. Given what we've seen so far, what are you expecting Elden Ring to hit the, the first weekend in terms of sales? Yeah, uh, God, you know, it's, it's, it's should be pretty massive. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and announce it and it hit 5 million in sales uh, in the first like three days, first four days, something like that. Um, uh, that, you know, honestly, that could be undershooting it with it getting with it hitting a million concurrence on Steam alone. And games tend to sell better on console than they even do on Steam. Uh, and that's concurrence. That's people playing at the same time. That's not total sales on Steam. So yeah. uh, they, they could easily be at like six, seven million. I, you know, there's there's kind of a, a really high ceiling for this thing. Um I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and announce figures like like that. You know, they got to keep them like um uh, like the big PlayStation exclusives when they're coming out, they're selling like four or five million at the top at the top end in their first week, uh, and that's on one platform. So exactly, when, you, yeah. when you're a multi-platform game, like it's like, and you and you are this anticipated, and you seem to be living up to expectations. Uh, yeah, it seems like it could probably get announced for for somewhere between five and seven million in the first week. Yeah, that is pretty wild to think about. When I when I had Benji on, I was throwing out a figure of. Kind of four, four to five million the first weekend. One million yeah. easy opening day, four to five million total right. that opening weekend. And like you said, now that we're seeing almost a million concurrent players on Steam, I am really curious to see what this ends up being the first week. Because I figured it would be a big game. Um, there was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of marketing energy put into this game. Um, we were hearing spots at UFC events and weird yes, places yeah. that you don't hear. Just hearing UFC announcers talk about the new e upcoming epic RPG from George R. R. Martin and, <laughs> and Miyazaki. It just, uh, it was so weird and so cool to have all that energy surrounding it. But what, why do you think that this particular title, considering how previous From Software games performed, why do you think this one has had such a a huge and and feverish launch yeah I, I think it's a combination of factors so i think uh, a lot of it is you know people uh, took a break maybe between the generations and started looking back at like what is what is some stuff that people talked about that uh, i never played and i think uh, during that time i think a lot of people were like okay now it's time to try to try the from games and then um if you have like any sort of association with anyone who's into those games uh, it's kind of hard to ignore the fact that they are losing their mind over waiting for Elden Ring. And that's, uh, it's contagious. You, you, it catches on and then uh, it starts building up uh, memes and stuff that are very hard to ignore. And uh -huh. it's fun to get into that stuff and to uh, let it like, you know, overcome you. And then um, 
you know, those fans are pushing it to be like, oh, the most anticipated game. Two, two years in a row at the Summer Game Fest or whatever. And uh, uh, when it doesn't show up, they, these people lose their mind. And then when it does show up, it looks pretty cool. And they also still lose their mind, all these <laughs> fans. It's, it's so it's like, it, it's very easy to get caught up in the hype. And then on top of that, I think it helps that the, um, the game does look like it's an open world game. And I think that is more appealing than just say, here is... Uh, a, a traditional from RPG with a couple of corridors. Good luck. Um, when it's when it's open world, it's like oh, I could kind of maybe I could just kind of explore at my own pace and kind of see what this world is. And uh, I, and I think that 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 you know people say like you know seem to treat games like they all have the same potential. Like oh, any game could like sell millions of copies. It's like well, there's a reason everyone's making open world games. Those tend to sell better. Um, there's a reason people make multiplayer games because those sell even better than that. Uh, but so, so when you have this game that is coming out and it's promising co-op and it's this open world thing, and then you have all this hype and you have all, uh, uh, and it looks very good. And then on top of that, it gets the 97 on Metacritic or whatever. Uh, that is, that, that is a soup for just a, a massive launch. And it, and it, on top of that, we have new consoles that people want to buy games for. Uh, and people are, you know, been struggling to get computer hardware. And if you have, uh, if you have that, like, you know, you want to play the newest, biggest game ever. This is it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a little surprised we're here, but not too surprised. This always kind of felt like we were going to end up at this point of, of eventually with From Software games. We were just on this trajectory for a long time. Yeah, it's been one of those developers that somehow, some way, no matter whether or not you like their formula, whether or not you're a, a big fan of their games, I do understand that they are not for everyone in a lot of ways. But they have managed to supersede their last effort pretty much every single time. And when you have yeah. a track record that starts with, you know, Dark Souls, and then we go into Bloodborne, and then we go into Dark Souls 3, and then we go into Sekiro, which wins Game of the Year. And so they're, they are continuing to just elevate themselves every single time. And I think no matter who you are, if you are someone who likes video games, you're not ignoring that. Sure, maybe it's not for you, but you, you're not ignoring what From Software has done as a developer. And then you have people like myself, part of the hype zeitgeist, who have who have bought in, who are like, yeah, I, I get From Software. I love From Software. I trust what they're going to do with this title. And then for them to come out and deliver something like Elden Ring, which again, we're going to dive into that in a second on our overall impressions and all that. But just a quick overall sentiment there. Despite all my hype, despite all the excitement I had for it, I didn't expect it to live up to my expectations. Like, right. I love buying into the hype. I love feeding into that just because it's fun. But I always keep myself grounded and know in the back of my mind that there's there's no way that Elden Ring is going to come out and be everything that I wanted it to be. And then for them to not only do that, but make it more than what I wanted it to be, that is such a rare phenomenon. Like no matter no matter what the game is, that almost never happens. Where a game comes out and legitimately surpasses all of my all of my dumbest wildest expectations, and that is that is so damn cool. And that's what Elden Ring is, and that's why it's sitting at a ninety seven on Metacritic because the game from software went all in on this. There was there's no half measures. They didn't say, oh, we're gonna dabble with an open world. They they went in and they made one of the best open worlds of all time. Yeah, I mean, if, if if you want to transition into our impressions from there, I think that's a good point because yeah. I, that that really is the um the selling point of this game should be if you want an open world that is kind of immaculate 
in how it is designed and presented to players. Uh, it's it's not a map game, right? We're not we're not talking about this being a uh, successor to Far Cry in any way or, or or anything any of those Ubisoft map games. This is an open world closer into the vein to Breath of the Wild or or Skyrim, uh, things like that, where you are just gonna go go sit down on this map and you're gonna look for the next interesting thing and you're gonna go to it. And then once you, you get there, something wild is gonna happen, something difficult, something challenging. Maybe you get a reward for it that's cool and that, and that encourages you to go try something else that you saw before. But also you're gonna see the next interesting thing. I wanna just keep going and wanna keep going. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the aesthetic style of, of this map also has such a breadth while it's still existing in a cohesive uh, from software gothic aesthetic. Um, but like, every, like, you know, you have these giant light up trees that are like, that are kind of enticing you along. And then you get past those and like the, the way the world can change and morph in, in its style is really impressive. Uh, I, it is, it, it, it feels like, you know, it's not a living world in that like there's like a, AI going all over the place doing stuff and it doesn't really have a, a, um, emergent gameplay that's not what we're doing here but it is like if you took uh, uh, you know uh, just one of these fantasy maps that someone like G George R. R. Martin describes in a book and you actually got to go explore that I honestly that's been like kind of the promise of fantasy the fantasy genre and gaming for forever and I don't know if any games ever actually delivered on it like this one does I this is why the game people are, I think people are starting the game and they are like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm following this, this, this early grace path and it's telling me to go here. And this feels like Dark Souls 4. And, and, and for me, I'm like, I was expecting more because of these review scores. And I, okay, I'm, I get that, but I think you need to just keep playing and also just actually go explore this world that is open. And once you start doing that, it is very easy to see why this game is getting the praise it's getting. Yeah, you're exactly right. I was in the same camp. Again, if this was just Dark Souls 4, let's go. Dark Souls 3 going into this, one of my favorite games of all time. Love Dark Souls 3. Almost zero complaints about Dark Souls 3. So, you know, when people are joking, oh, this is just Dark Souls 4, I was like, all right, let's go. Let Dark Souls 4, mm, now you're speaking my language. But at the deeper I got, the more that I realized this is so much more than Dark Souls 4. This is, this is so beyond it. And I was worried that, you know, I'm playing some, some footage of the network test here. And I was worried that this would be the main biome, that the entire game for yes. the most part would look like this. Uh, we, we just yes. had Halo Infinite, which I loved. I absolutely loved Halo Same. Infinite. Um, but it was one biome. And like that was a big complaint for me is that there was no variety really in architecture in the the overworld you had the overworld and then you had the kind of interior dungeons and that that was it for halo infinite and still loved the game still thought it was great and i was kind of expecting elden ring to be that and then as i got deeper and then as i saw that the map every time i got to an area the map zooms out i'm like okay yeah okay like, oh my god. It, it, it can't oh get god. it can't get bigger than this and then i go three four more areas in and it's just bigger and bigger so it's this one huge chunk is only like probably a seventh of the game and every time you go to a new area, you realize that they are all completely distinct. They have a unique color palette. They have a new, unique feel. They have a unique atmosphere. The, the enemies and inhabitants of that zone all feel like they belong in this, this, this place. And having that sort of open world experience, it's hard to do. Like you said, everyone wants to make an open world game. And there's been a lot of fantastic open world games. But it's really hard to, to have that consistency where each of these biomes and each of these worlds feels meaningful in the grand scheme of the game and dark souls three for me 
the, the biggest praise I have about that is every single area feels distinct. Every single area yeah. feels memorable. And it takes that foundation and just blows it up. But there's no fluff. There's no filler. This is one of the most dense open world RPGs I've played. Exactly. In a really good way. It's not, oh, hey, go the the stereotypical quote Ubisoft formula where you're going and you're collecting X of these and doing a bunch of side quests. It's dense in a sense that you want to explore every nook and cranny because every time you do, you get something. for it. Yeah. I, and it's on the other side of that. It's also like the, one of the complaints you hear about breath of the wild and halo infinite is, Oh, these worlds are empty. And I fundamentally disagree with that. That is not, I, I think they are purposefully uh, scarce so that when you come across something, there's this like, build up and and then you have this come down where you're like okay i'm gonna go back and into the woods and, and escape and then maybe you stumble across something especially in breath of the wild breath of the wild's better about that than halo infinite is but still regardless both ways of doing it I, I enjoy i think that with elden ring they have really sort of threaded this needle of making a world that is not um littered with objectives like a map game and yet every like every like 50 yards there's something happening uh, there, and it's all, and like you said, it's all distinct and all memorable. And it's like you are, uh, it, it really feels alive in that way. That's what, like, when I say it feels alive, and then like there's not AI like going off and like, like you can emerge with, but it is still like things that have been designed. Uh, it's like if you took a Minecraft world and like let the greatest designers in the world spend uh, like a hundred years on it and <laughs> putting something interesting every 50 yards, that's what it feels like. And it's uh, kind of amazing. And yet it, looks like it looks the way it does with it's like some of the best art design in the world they have some of the best artists in the world working on these games and it, and it shows um yeah I, i'm i once i started like getting off the path and letting myself go explore uh, and getting sort of flabbergasted that the map just kept going um that is absolutely when i fell in love with this and it, it, like i think i did a me and mike did a video just a couple hours into the game with giving our early impressions that we posted right when the embargo lifted um and we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I guess we see what people are into this. <laughs> you know, it seems fun, like it's good, but it kind of seems like another From game. And it's like my, my my sort of temperature on this game has just risen since and it's just kind of completely flipped. And it's because like, oh, I was not engaging with all of the stuff that they were really putting in here in terms of like, yeah, they, there is the Dark Souls game that you could go through here. And that stuff is very good. And it's um, it's uh edited to the point where it's like yeah look, we have this big open world so when you go to engage with the dark souls stuff that it's just like this like path of really tough bosses really tough fights uh it is pretty short and like intense and then we're gonna get you back to this open world and say like, oh this is like the way that they are balancing all these things is so thoughtful and so well done um it's it, it's it's it is kind of this thing where i'm like i am recognizing from is really good at making video games it turns out <laughs> like, like most developers would struggle with balancing all these things and they have sort of nailed every aspect so far for me and uh, I'm, I'm i'm really impressed yeah you touched on the art a lot of people have been complaining about the graphics and you know i feel you know that some of that's in bad faith that a lot of people are just not oh, yeah. interested in the game and are trying to downplay it um, Absolutely. Sure, the graphics are not the most hyper-realistic, but the art direction, the art style, the color balance is completely unmatched. Elden Ring unmatched. has the best color balance of any game. You cannot, you cannot point to a game to me that has better color balance than Elden Ring. 
and it's every single zone, like I said, feels distinct. This opening area of Limgrave with the, with the gold and the green, that those colors blend perfectly. And then you get to the next zone and it's deep blues and it's deep golds. And then you get to this nightmarish Lovecraftian horror landscape that's just gross fleshy tones and blood red skies and stuff like that is, it's huge. It's, it's so much more than just the, the graphical quote fidelity of it. And another thing I love about this open world is how much detail there is in everything. It's like you, you talked about Breath of the Wild, people complaining that that's quote barren. Um, despite the, you know, the frame rate inconsistencies people are experiencing, I feel like from software and Miyazaki in particular, at a certain point, they say, we're just going to take the hit. Like this looks really cool. I want to yeah. do this in the game. We are going to do it. And so the moments where you have these dense trees and the wind is blowing and you're watching all of these branches yeah. fly in a storm and you're watching tumbleweeds blow by and you're watching all this debris and all of these elements be affected by this weather stuff like that is so good it cannot be understated enough it adds so much there's these these walking mausoleums where you're basically out in the world and you see this giant stone living entity that's a building just walking around like howl's moving castle style just walking around the open world seeing that for the first time is it's it's so impressive and we're not going to go into spoilers or anything like that but elden ring Every every few hours, I was completely surprised. Every few hours, they did something I did yep. not see coming. They did something I wouldn't expect. And quite frankly, they did something I've never seen in any other video game before. And when you can do that for someone who just who just eats and consumes video games all day, every day, like that, yeah. that is the most exciting thing that any developer can do. And I just I don't know how From Software does it consistently. Yeah, and I think that um you know it, it is like I get some people are definitely in bad faith from's tech side has always been uh you know sort of the, the, the forgotten child of like their their development uh, it needs some updates that i've yeah. it's definitely an older engine in a lot of ways right and, and you know they just don't prioritize optimizations i mean, sekiro came out and you know a lot of games get five updates a couple days after they it launches sekiro came out it took them like a month that i think it was like longer <laughs> than that maybe like three months to get the first update on pc uh-huh uh, it, yeah it's just that that's from that is what they are and it's sort of you got to sort of take that with what they are delivering and i that does that sound like an excuse hey guess what i'm excusing them because the game is so good <laughs> I, i'm and, and what you said about like i it, if i have to take some uh framiness to get this lip this like those trees whipping around in such a realistic and evocative way like i'm I will remember the way those trees whip around. I'm, I'm serious right now. I will remember the way those trees whip around for the rest of my life. It is so uh, it, the it, trees, it, man. Oh. Yes, right. It, yeah, just that that the wind and like there's like a a filter they put on top of them to make it look like things are just getting ripped off them. It's it's so I don't know. It's like emotionally connected to the way the world works, and I'm like, okay, no game is nailed the way that that like looks like like this game has. Uh, so, so I'm like, if I have to take some framiness to get that i'm going to uh but yeah like the game needs 12 gigabytes of ram on pc like a minimum requirement minimum like, 12 that is, that's a lot this, this is a game that clearly is not super duper optimized but this yes. is from making their first big open world game and they're just gonna say listen this is what we have to do to meet our vision and we, we are figuring out how to like do the other side of like okay we we've made these choices how do we cash the tech side of it oh uh, well, they're going to maybe figure that out, but maybe they didn't. And still yet, I want this game to exist exactly the way it does. And if it improves, that's great. But as it exists now, 
it is still this great game. Like if it never improves from here, uh, for me, like the way I've been, I've been playing it on the Steam Deck, and it's been, you know, we started at like around thirty frames per second. Some updates got it up to forty-five frames per second. Uh, I've been playing on medium settings because you go down to low settings, it doesn't make much of a difference because again, it's about ram and cpu yeah uh and, and i'm like hey this is if i play it like this the entire way even just that is is good enough now you know when i get it at 60 frames per second on the 3080 ti it's like okay that is a big difference but i i just it's not worth getting hung up it's not a reason to not play this game in my opinion yeah i've seen people say that oh this game can't hold a stable 60 it's it's running between 50 and 60 frames on series x and i'm like that's really going to be a deciding factor for you to not play this game. Like, I mean, so many other games are about like their tech. Like, so like, I mean, it, it, you know, if the last of us part two came out and the, something about the tech was broken, well, the game is about like being wowed by its tech. Exactly. This game is not about that. This is about its art design and uh, about uh, like finding that interesting thing every 50 yards like that. It's a completely different sort of proposition that it's giving you. And that's so, yeah. It's going to get an excuse because because it's doing so many other interesting things. And I always use the, the example from Sekiro of of this area in a forest full of monkeys where Miyazaki and company said, I don't care how this runs. I literally yeah. don't care that this is running at 15 Jesus, frames per yeah. second. I'm putting 20 monkeys on the screen. You're fighting 20 monkeys. A and game. and people so good. <laughs> people are like Miyazaki. No, please, we let's take some monkeys out. It'll run smoother. No, I don't care how it runs. I am envisioning twenty monkeys on the screen at one time, and we're yep. doing it. And and that's the stuff I love about this. Where at a certain point, the, the vision supersedes the the performance, supersedes yep. the tech. Like I have this cool idea, and we're gonna do it. And if we're dropping ten frames, sorry, that that it yep. is what it is. And again, people can be upset. I get it. We're we're in this this modern age where people are expecting certain things. They're expecting lock sixty. They're expecting more than sixty in some cases. Um, but for me, as someone who's played Dark Souls on Xbox three sixty, someone who's experienced Blight Town in its purest form, uh, right. an entire area that runs at ten frames per second. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't really fault Elden Ring for. And, and maybe Brain it's the props. lineage of these kinds of games, right? Where, um, you know, you, I played Ninja Gaiden on the NES, and if you go forward, and then you go five steps back, and then you go back forward again, that bird you just killed is going to respawn. And that's not because that was a design choice. It was a memory limitation. They, that was a, a tech issue. And, and yet, it became sort of part of the difficulty of that game. Uh, again, I know it sounds, it is excusing them, but I'm <laughs> like, this, I grew up with games that like got framey when there was a lot of stuff on the screen. And we just, I, I never remember being like questioning this, like this should run better. I was just like, man, this game is like going all out. And it just being almost part of the charm. And you know, these games absolutely live in that lineage of games where you are, have to have patience and you've got to uh, learn things by just playing it. And um, so maybe uh, the people who are willing to give it a, a, a pass, like I am, it, it's because I grew up in that time. And now I'm like continuing it with this game. Yeah, uh, that's probably what it is for like folks like you and I who've been playing st stuff since the uh, the days where performance did not matter in any capacity, yep. and and maybe coming off you know uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, for me I was like you know what because I played on Series X, I played on Series X with the with the VRR display, and um, even before the day one update, the only time that I would ever notice any sort of frame drops was when it was raining. For whatever reason, yeah. the rain sequences in this tax it 
I heard it was the same on PS5, same on PC. Um, that was the only time I noticed it or felt it really. So again, there are, you know, if people want to ding that in their own, you know, reviews of it or whatever, right. or if that is an issue, I, I get it. I, I do because those were moments where I felt it, but generally speaking, um, it didn't impact the gameplay for me in any meaningful way. 99% of the time. Same. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. So Jeff, again, I'm, I'm the, the, from software cultist. A lot of people are like, don't listen to miles. He, he loves from software because he's a from software stand, whatever your, your background's different. You haven't yes. always loved from software. You haven't always loved dark souls. So I, I've only ever bounced off of Dark Souls games, really. Uh, I've tried them a few times. I was going to try Dark Souls 3 on the on the Steam Deck uh, right before Elden Ring came out. I never got around to doing that. But um, uh, I didn't. I the first From game that I really loved is is Sekiro. It's the one I you know I beat, got all the way through that one. I reviewed that game. I I really liked it quite a lot. Um, and so and so for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I go to these other ones. I'm like, oh, these aren't action games like Sekiro is. And it's like the, these RPGs. And I have to kind of rethink my 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 starting point of, of when I actually try to like build a relationship with these games. But um, Elder Ring it helps by making that, uh, you know, a little bit easier by, you know, giving you so much time to explore and get used to the way the characters move and getting used to the way the enemies engage with you and stuff like that. So it's like uh, it is more friendly. Uh, you know, they've talked about that before releasing this game, how they want this game to be a game that more people complete than their other games. And I think that's kind of wild considering how huge this game is. Like, I think, <laughs> a lot, you know, like it's just so massive that like, it's probably still going to have uh, a relatively lower uh, completion rate, but it is friendlier in that uh, you, it gives players more space to experiment in a, in a sort of safe space, like, so to speak. Uh, and, and it gives you indicators that like, it's okay to walk past things. I mean, that, that tree sitting at the beginning is just the loudest siren ever to say, Hey, yeah, go try to fight it right now. It's going to kill you. And then look at all, look around. There's like 360 degrees of a place where you could go instead, do that instead, walk past the big guy. And it kind of teaches you right away. Hey, this, this is a game where it is expected that you're going to walk past a lot of things at first and, you know, come back later when you're stronger and, and, and that's totally fine. And uh, having the game like be able to communicate in like familiar ways um, has, has really worked for me. Whereas like, you know, uh, the Dark Souls games are still pretty esoteric, and I, I feel like I need to actually be looking things up the entire time and I'll get I'll catch up on the conversation that the community had years and years ago if I'm really going to fully understand that. And that's part of the charm, absolutely, but I'm going back to these games, and it's a little bit less charming for me now. Um, but, yeah, that's not to say, I, you know, I, I, I could tell that From games are good. It's just that I've mostly bounced off them. And yet, this time around, playing this one, being part of the community as it's, as it's clearly building up as this game is out now and everyone's, like, really getting into it, that again, very charming, uh, but but also I just think that they really did make some some conscious decisions to ensure that this game would be their most appealing ever. Obviously, it's working. Yeah, I I love hearing from people who either have never played a From Software game or you know maybe didn't have the formula click with previous titles because I get it. You look at the achievements for Dark Souls Three on Xbox and the the opening tutorial boss, the the very right. first boss you encounter like. 10 minutes into the game, 60% of players completed it. So that means 40% of people who played Dark Souls 3 didn't really make it half an hour into the game. And then you get to the I... next boss and the drop off is like another 30%. So the first main boss, only like 30% of players beat it. From there, it kind of levels out and that's the dedicated 30% hardcore that are seeing it through. But 
yeah, like you said, there are a lot of people who played it and just dropped off. And I, and I get it. Like the, the games are are tough. They're demanding in a lot of ways. And I was curious to see where Elden Ring was going to land. And in a lot of ways, yeah, you can just go in the open world. You can level up. You can get overpowered if you want. It delivers that kind of Skyrim feel in a lot of ways where you're constantly being pulled to different areas. And sure, you can accidentally stumble on something that will destroy you, will absolutely beat your ass. But this game encourages you to run. This game, like you yes. said, the, the tree sentinel at the beginning is your first sign that if something looks mean and scary, it is. It really is, and you should treat it as such. So if you see a dragon swoop down and you're five minutes into this game, maybe don't fight the dragon. Right, yeah, God. I learned that the hard way because just I'm like, man, I want to go just see what I could do to this dragon. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, they show you that, and then they give you the horse, they give you torrent, and um, being able to swoop in and out of combat really quickly. It's like, yeah, think about if you were, think of, okay, the thing about this game is it, most of these character classes, at least the one I, I chose prisoner, and I'm like, this just feels like me. Like, this just feels like a guy, if a normal guy just went into this world and like he found a magic wand, yeah, but this guy's just like me. Like, how would I survive in this world? And for the most part, it'd be like standing back, running in when the guy is distracted for a second, getting a hit off and then running the hell out. And I'm like, what's that like a brace? They're like, I, I am not ever really supposed to go toe to toe with a lot of these things. I'm not supposed to be like the greatest martial artist of all time. Like I'm not, this is not Sekiro and it's like, Oh, okay. So like, I'm just going to try to survive. I'm going to role play this game. And uh, once I started doing that, it's like, I am finding ways to cheese everything just like I would really have to, to actually survive in this world. And it's very, I don't know. Uh, I'm finding that very fun at this point now. Yeah. I, I think that's an excellent way to look at it is a lot of these characters. You start off as, as some schmuck. You're just you're just some yeah. schmuck out in the world. These basic dudes that you fight like they are a threat to you. And then as right. you progress, you really kind of feed into the power fantasy of your role. Eventually, you become this this epic badass. But in the beginning, you are very much just trying to figure out how to survive, like how to cheese stuff. Like, what is the counter to this? What's the easiest way I can do damage to this thing without getting punished for it? And right. it is just you're just a average person in this world and some people i get they want that power fantasy where right out of the gate they are just beaten ass nothing right. can touch them and elden ring and really from software games in general are not that everything is a threat at, at, at the start and it's kind of cool to to watch that evol evolution and really kind of like you said role play as this this character in this yeah. unforgiving world yeah I'm, I'm i'm really enjoying that and yeah like i could tell like i'm learning uh, you know, a lot of the, the leveling up is, yeah, your character is going to get stronger, but that's sort of a smokescreen for what's really happening, which is you are learning the world. You're learning how to, to how to survive. You're learning uh, the, the, the signs that characters give you when they're about to attack and stuff like that. So that, you know, if you were to go back and start the game over once you uh, completed the game, um, you would be in much better shape because you've learned so much and that's going to be the, the real leveling up. And, and this game does a good job of uh, giving you that smokescreen enough. So you're like, well, if I just keep playing, my character's going to get stronger and you're not even thinking about the fact that you're learning. And that's important, I think, for a lot of like uh, people where it's like they don't believe necessarily that they're going to get that much better. And so this game gives you that that enough of that um, that carrot to keep you going. And it's it's really well done. Yeah. So quick pro tip before we move on to the next topic here is if you are dabbling in Elden Ring, one thing that this game does a lot better than any previous from software game is it tells you explicitly what the counters to certain things are. So these vendors, they'll sell notes. 
and you'll just have this weird cryptic note that you can buy for a couple hundred runes, but it'll be a fundamental way to counter something. Um, there was a, a cave where I was, I was fighting an assassin character who was invisible. And so it was in this cave full of water and I could see his footsteps in the water, but this dude would just come and backstab me over and over and over. And I was just getting so frustrated. And I was like, this is impossible. This is terrible. Why on earth would they ever put this in a game? This is stupid. And then I went to a vendor and he had a note and he's like, oh yeah, so these, these assassins that you fight, if you hold up this torch, it exposes them. And I'm like, oh, and that just, and then I went into that fight with that torch, absolutely destroyed the dude, absolutely wrecked him. And so there's a lot of stuff like that where if you don't know the counter, it seems like there is no counter. And previously in from software games, you just had to figure it out. There right. was no yeah. way you didn't get any help. You just had to you find this random item and it said something cryptic and you had to just know to use this item in this fight. And then here, a lot of people are explicitly telling you do this and it will be easier. And I, I really, really appreciate that for myself and especially people coming into a from software RPG for the first time. Well, yeah, and that's a good, the right pro tip because what you're really saying is there, go explore. Go go talk to people. Go talk to NPCs. Uh, if you are having trouble with anything, just run the other way. See what else is out there. Go find a cave. See what you could find. I mean, like, there is an item in the world that makes the first big major boss trivial. And yes. if that's if that sounds nice to you, if you're having a lot of trouble with, with Margaret, uh, Margaret, whatever his name is, um, you you just keep exploring and eventually you'll find it. it's in that first area. And, you know, it, it, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it beyond that, but it's like uh, that sort of stuff is out there. And if you just uh, explore almost certainly, eventually you will come across something that's going to help you. And uh, that, I think that's what they want you to, to be thinking in this game is that you should be leaning towards exploration first and foremost. And, and, and it should be a greater percentage of your pie than the actual, just trying to progress through by fighting the biggest and baddest enemies. Yes, exactly. Because a lot of this game is about, you know, going to an area and then realizing I probably shouldn't be here yet. I'm not ready for this. I'm not doing enough damage. I'm taking a lot of damage and they just allow you the freedom to freely fast travel wherever you want. So you can say, I haven't been to this area of the open world. I'm going to go check it out. And like you said, that, that item for that market, the first skill check, that fight, I'm like, just as someone who's played them all, that is a tough fight. For the average person tough. just coming in. It's really hard. Margaret yep. the Fell uh, Omen is a tough yeah, fight. Jez told me, he's like, I fought, I lost on that one more than I lost in all the other bosses in other games combined. Uh, so he was probably being a little bit uh, uh, overstated, but uh, that's probably, I mean, it is very difficult, especially if you're a low, low level. I mean, you think like eventually you can break through and there's ways to do that. Make sure you also have the summoning bell. I know a lot of people have gotten to that fight without having the summoning bell. You want to make sure you have that. So, uh uh, you know, look up, look that up if you know what that means. But yeah, you should definitely be uh, doing more exploring. If it feels like you are at a hard skill check, it's probably because you're missing something. It's probably because you could be doing more in the open world. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing. And that's, again, go feeds into why I love this open world so much is because everything you do is rewarded in a way that not only helps you progress as a character, but will fundamentally give you the tools and information you need to, you know, handle these seemingly overwhelming obstacles. And like you said, that Margit item is such a crucial, crucial clue as to what you should be looking for as you progress to each of these big baddies. Because each one of them has something you can do that's going to make it a little bit easier. 
So I'm going to give a quick shout out to the 242 people rocking with us today. If you are digging the show, hit that like button, share it out. If you are listening on podcast services, be sure to rate the show, follow the show, all that great stuff. We got some amazing uh, super chats here that I'm going to get to. First and foremost, Jeremy G says, dibs on the first super chat. Keep rocking. Appreciate you, Jeremy. Uh, Mr. Joanna Dark. How is the emulation on the Steam Deck? Do you need to dual boot it to run ROMs? Jeff, can the Steam Deck run Resident Evil Code Veronica, the goat of Resident Evil? We'll get more uh, into Steam It almost Deck. certainly can. We'll talk about that soon, though. Yeah. But you can comment on Resident Evil Code Veronica if you want. Have you tried that? I haven't that? played that one, but I'm almost certain. It can. I mean, I'm, I'm literally playing NBA Street Volume 2 on, on Dolphin right now. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, Hunter Smith. Uh, did Bandai slash from just forget to turn on the Elden Ring servers on Xbox? Every login attempt has failed since launch. Um, yeah, I guess we can touch on that real quick. I've been seeing a lot of reports from people who are saying that they get like a fail to connect to the network on, on Xbox. Um, I have to ask, and I'm, this is just a social experiment because I know two people who are having that issue. And both those people that are having that issue did the old uh, New Zealand switcheroo with their uh, region uh -oh. to play the game early. Uh -oh. So Hunter, if you're still hanging out here, let me know. I don't, I'm not saying that that is 100% why, but I'm wondering if that has caused some issues with certain players. Because there are a lot of people saying, I cannot access the game. I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm curious to see if that region switch has, has fudged some people. Because I know 20 people personally playing it, and only two of the people that are having those issues for me are the two people who did the New Zealand thing. So uh, let me know. Jeff, what about you? Have you? I know, I'm sure you've seen it, but do you know anyone personally who's been struggling with the failed to connect? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see some people on Twitter who I, who I follow talking about, like, it's never connected for me on Xbox. So I, I, I wonder if that's, I wonder if you're onto something there. That's, that's probably right. Um, I played it mostly offline because when I, for the most throughout the review period the uh easy anti-cheat was not working on mm, that's uh, right Proton, on steam os on the steam deck so i was playing it offline mostly and now it's like oh, right, right right before they're like we did the work to get this working and like it sounded like valve like helped get to get it work and i'm like, to get it working i'm like huh wow that that's i was not expecting that like that's like a, a good sign that like they're not just gonna be like well Good luck, everybody. Like I was like, we're gonna take responsibility for making sure that big games like this actually function the way they should. So yeah, uh, that was cool to see. Yeah, shout out to them. It's with a game that big launching on the same day as the Steam Deck. You you got you got to make it work. Yep. <clears throat> Eric the Red 06 says, "Do you think journalists slash reviewers exposed themselves #gaming media this week with their rush to post review scores without ever completing the game?" Uh, do you want to do you want to take this? Yeah. Um. Listen, I I know people. It's very easy to think linearly. Like um, like you know, you you review the game after you beat a game. Uh, gaming's changed a lot. Uh, there are games where you simply cannot beat them. Uh, because they don't have an ending. Like you go Call of Duty multiplayer. Well, you, you got to beat that before you could review it. Well, there is no beating that. Games like uh, where you are primarily playing with co-op. Like um, uh, if you're playing with your friends or something. Uh. You know, I don't necessarily care about the ending of that. I want to know what the experience is like that I'm when I'm playing with my friends. Uh, Skyrim. If someone uh, does a review of Starfield and they just played the critical path and got to the end, I that review is worthless to me. I never beat Skyrim. I've played 
hundreds of hours of Skyrim. I've never beaten <laughs> Skyrim. Uh, your review beating the game is worthless to me. I my my opinion of this is you should try to play a lot of the game. Try to have a pretty good take take on or pretty good grasp on overall what the game is. You should try to beat it. But uh, even if, if even if you don't, if you've played sixty hours and you know played like that's what our reviewer did. Our, our reviewer played sixty hours, uh, had not quite beat it. Uh, but he he said that you know was open about it and and then said, said what he had, what he did get to and presented his review as such. And to me, that's uh, still a pretty valuable thing. These things, um, you know, if it bothers you, call the cops. What are they going to say? <laughs> we don't care. This isn't actually a real problem. Uh, if if it bothers you, go read another review of someone who did beat it, and that solves the problem. I mean, so that, that's, I mean, listen, I get it, but it's like, uh, we're just trying to police something that doesn't really need to be policed. Yeah, I understand where people are coming from. And there are games right. where beating the, the key story is a crucial part of the overall experience. Um, yep. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of people complaining about that and complaining about, you know, people not completing a game and throwing an official score on it and stuff like that. And I was open. I played 71 hours of Elden Ring um, for my review. And I didn't finish the, I didn't roll credits on it. Um, so again, if that is a problem for you, then okay. If, if 71 yeah, okay. hours to you is not enough to articulate um, a, a full, concise opinion on a game, then okay. Find, find, yeah, then okay, find right, someone yeah, else. Exactly. Like, you know, if you could, you're allowed to criticize us too. Like we're criticizing a game. If you don't like the way we do it, criticize us. That's fine. Yeah. Go. It, our suggestion in that case is okay. Go read another review. And, or ask for your money back. Oh, you didn't pay anything to read it. Okay, well, then what are you talking about here? Like, come so, on. Uh, yeah, so I get it. I get where people are coming from, but then it's you start to dictate how someone should play a game, and you get into these technicalities. Right. Technically, you didn't do this. Well, like you said, if someone just plays an open-world RP, I had somebody saying, you should have just blasted through the main storyline only. Oh, like, no, no, that is a such a choice. huge disservice to this game. And you, the, it is the wrong way to play this game. I played this game as I would. Because to me, that's that's what this is about. When I approach a review, obviously I think about other players and I think about how they are, but I don't want to play a game a specific way so that my review fits that. So I have to finish this mainline story of Elden Ring because that is the only way that I can officially do a review. And then at a certain point, I realized that I want to see everything. I want to see everything that there is to this game. And it's probably going to take, you know, over over 100 hours to see everything. And yeah. that's because that's Basically. what I would do when I was playing this game. I saw almost all of the biggest areas. I saw almost all of the biggest bosses. Um, again, I get where people are coming from, but it becomes this thing about dictating how someone has to play a game. It's like saying if you're reviewing yeah, and, a fighting games are game, not movies. you have to play you every single fighting it. character. You have to play every single fighting. You have to use all of their moves, and then and then you can't. If you don't do that, you can't do a review. And it's right. and that doesn't make any sense because people don't play the game. Don't, they don't play it that way. That's not how real humans actually play it. And and, and listen, this is not um, uh, you know, I think you probably should beat a story based, like very narrative heavy RPG. Yeah. Like Mass Effect Three, I think, is an example people would po point to because. Well, if you didn't beat the ending of Mass Effect 3, you would like your review would have been useless to a lot of people. And I absolutely agree on that. But mm -hmm. that's a game that is about ending. That is a game that is the end of a trilogy. It is about coming coming home to roost all these things you did in these previous two games. Your saves carry over. It's about that. Elder Ring's not so much about its ending. It seems to be more about the experience of the world and if you can accurately and and uh, uh you know, astutely 
explain why or why not you enjoy what they presented in this open world uh, and then in, in terms of its combat and all this stuff uh if, if you can do that stuff your review is going to be useful to uh, the most amount of people and just be honest as long as you're honest with what you've done uh i think people can say this review isn't for me and that's totally fine exactly so i've seen people share their opinions and be vocal online and that's that's perfectly fine um but again yeah if it's not for you that that is absolutely that is fine um but don't make it your mission to completely eliminate someone's work is, is what I'll say on yeah. that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be a cop about it. Don't be like, you know, I, I need to save the world from this review. Like, exactly. Not, that's, that's the not, integrity that's not... of the entire video game industry has been right. shattered because Miles right. only played 71 hours of Elden Ring before he wrote it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's all I'll say on that ever again, I think. Uh, Harjeet Chani says, Hey, Jeff and Miles, did some Souls game come out? Tried it for an hour or two and uninstalled. Can't ever seem to get into them. Harjeet, you know, I get it. There's going to be a lot of people who buy into the hype of this. who are like, yeah, let's go. I, I've hated their other games, quote unquote, and I want to check this out. And then they're going to get to that point where they're like, damn it, this is very much a Souls game in some ways. And if, if you just, again, if you are plowing through that main path and you are playing it as a Souls game, you will feel that way. But like Jeff and I said, if you just go and explore the open world and really soak it up, I think it'll make those fights easier. Because if you're doing the mainline path, oh my God, oh my, I tried. I tried doing the mainline path at first and Same. it beats your ass. I had fights take me 20 plus tries and I was like, oh, yeah. it shouldn't be taking me 20 plus tries. And then I just said, you know what? I just need to go out and I just need to explore the world. And as I did, I got more powerful, came back to those fights. Um, I, right now I have a boulder. One of my, one of my spells is I pick a boulder up from the earth and just hurl it at people and it kills everything in like two hits. And I'm just this boulder throwing God now. And it just, <laughs> so that boss that took me 20 tries coming back and just steamrolling it with ease. So that... Boulder throwing God is my favorite Eminem song. By the way. <laughs> uh, Jonas Lefever says game of the year fight Elden Ring versus Starfield. You're forgetting one key contender there. Kirby and the forgotten Kirby. land, baby. Oh, you off, you're going to get mouthful mode all over you. If you're yeah, not careful. Boy. Come on now, throw some respect on Kirby's <laughs> name, damn it! All right, but no. Uh, what if Kirby is still game of the year? Wouldn't that be incredible? That would. What? What would that game have to be for that game to be game of the year? That would be nuts. Jeff, I can't wrap my mind around it because me I'm, neither. <laughs> I, as much hype as there is surrounding Starfield, that game's gonna have to deliver something oh, yeah. astronomical oh, to yes. to stand toe to toe with Elden Ring. Yeah, I will say it, it has a little bit better of a chance than um, uh, Horizon or I think Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 will because I think those are going to have a lot of like, oh, this is more of what they were doing and, and th there's an inherent sort of, we don't want to reward that uh, thing happening. I think people already have already begun saying that about Horizon. Um, uh, but, you know, their Elden Ring is going to be right there saying, hey, this is from doing something new for them and doing it kind of better than anyone else has done it when it comes to designing open worlds. So Elden Ring has got, a, uh, I think, a huge advantage when it comes to Game of the Year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, obviously, again, um, I've been vocal about the fact that I'm sci-fi for me, it, it's a tough sell. I love the idea of a new Bethesda IP, um, but I'm really going to need to get my hands on it and see what, what they're doing with that. Um, and I'm really curious to see how that stands now that I've played Elden Ring. And again, when I, w when I put out my review, I was really... It, writing review in general is just weird. Because you're sitting, you're spending all this time isolated with something, 
and then you're like articulating your thoughts on what this means and is this game important? Should people play this? Where does this sit? And I, you know, I'm like, am I just am I just a from software stan? Is that what this is? Am I just too too dumb to see the the faults of this? And I was like, okay, no, I this is how I feel. Without any hyperbole, this is what I think about this game. I think it's a game that's as important as, you know, Breath of the Wild, as important as Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and does all these things. Like, I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. And then seeing so many other people kind of echo the same things and share the same feelings. It's 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 cool and weird because again, you don't really know how your opinion is going to, to land. And at the end yeah. of the day, reviews are just just opinions. You I have right. people that use the argument a review should be objective. Ew. That is, it, it, when you're reviewing uh, art, music, movies, film, it is 100% subjective. There is no such thing as, an, you can talk about like, okay, well, I can have a 100-point scale, and if the frame rate dips, um, yeah. six to seven frames, I have to take off two points from this 100-point scale, and you can, if you want to do that, but that is the most boring thing that I can and it's, wrap my mind but it's, around. But it's worse than that. An objective review is a lie, because you are not saying what you really experienced, you are trying to pretend that you could be other people and say, this is what I think everyone will sort of feel about this thing. And that is inherently a lie. You are not telling the truth of your experience. You want reviews to be subjective. It, 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 that's the only actual true thing that there is when it comes to review. Anything else would just be, it, it's a disservice. It is, uh, it, it's, it's wrong, actually. It's not the right way to go about it. Speak your truth. And again, if you think that people like myself are just from stands and their review means nothing, find somebody else. Find somebody else who, yep. yeah, and that's that's what it's like. I respect someone who's willing to come out and say what their opinion is, you know, even if it's positive, even if it's negative, whatever the case might be, because to me that has value. That person is telling me how they really feel about this thing, and whether it's for them or not. So I again, I respect anyone who comes out and says that Elden Ring is not for me. I didn't like it. I don't like from software games yep. for these reasons. I, I get it. I really do. As much as I, you know, tease people and, and you know, feed into the hype zeitgeist, I get it. I really, really do. And that is absolutely fine. Not every game is for everyone. And I don't think there ever will be the, a game that comes out and manages to be for everyone. Yeah. Uh, tea and violence, Jez, hit me with a kissing pair. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Jez. Oh, I know what that means. Uh, you guys ask Jez about what that means. Jez, what's he knows? That's what's the what's kissing? What's the yeah? Hit him up. Okay, everybody, go on Twitter and ask Jez what the kissing pair means. That's right. Pair and uh, kissing lips on Twitter. What's up? Oh, okay. Super chat from the goat, the legend. X trash lost to PlayStation. Yeah. The goat. I love love you. Appreciate the support. Jeff yes. Scrub. Money. <laughs> Jeff Scrub <laughs> said Kojima slash Xbox will be this year. Any comments? I, I mean, maybe, maybe I did. I don't know. I mean, this year's pretty long. I said, it, I, I think I probably said this last year when I said it probably won't, it's not going to be 2021, but maybe 2022. Uh, I mean, the deal should be done this year. Uh, it, it just comes down to whether or not they want to announce it super early, which they might not want to. Uh, but also they might want to say, hey, Kojima's working on a big thing for Xbox. I think they'll be pretty... Um, uh, they'll they'll kind of hesitate before they do another really super early announcement because they've done a lot of those, so they can yes. hold off for a while. But they have made moves to put things in place to support Kojima once the deal is done. So that stuff's coming. Um. Yeah. Okay. So again, yeah. Xbox. We talked about this. There's been a lot of, uh, I guess, anger realistically from the community that says we don't know what any of your games look like. 
it's cool that you've shown us a bunch of games and you've or you've told us a bunch of games are coming and we have an idea of what they are. But now we're at the point where it's been too long and people are like, we don't know what these games look like. And so now Xbox is like, damn, do we keep showing games early or now do we wait until we're closer and have gameplay? Um, so it is this interesting balance because sure, you can announce something and that is exciting for some people. But there are a group of people who are like, this is not exciting for me until I see what it is. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that that's fine. Like, like you should, def- like, you know, convince yourself that you like something based on CGI or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that, like, they're going to kind of announce games the way they're going to announce games for the most part. Microsoft really, especially as they are waiting to get into this uh, cadence of one big game every quarter or one big game every two months, they really like relying on announcements to keep people feeling good about, you know, subscribing to Game Pass. It's a big mental game that they're in where, like, hey, you get Game Pass. Games are going to be coming, and it's not quite happening at the you know the the, the you know the pace that we were saying it was going to happen. But that's going to happen soon. In the meantime, here's some reasons to feel good about the money you're giving us. Um, it, like I, I get that. Eventually, though, they probably will shift into like waiting a little bit till they're closer. Like everyone sort of implicitly trusts Nintendo's going to deliver games eventually that we like. And guess what Nintendo does? They renounce their games like three to six months out, almost exclusively now. Having that Kirby uh, announcement than... hit and say six months. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, oh, right. And, and like what like the other things the things that they do announce way out Breath of the Wild two Metroid Prime four are these big headaches for them where they have to like constantly be having these conversations with every direct oh this is the one this is the exactly so like the, yeah like I think every company sort of wants to be in that pace, that space where they're announcing games about six months out um it's worked really well for Bethesda Bethesda's probably like hey we Starfield we're in a situation where we could talk about it a little bit more but really six months out we will begin actually showing that game Redfall is going to be the same. Um, and that's going to be, you know, probably the same with contraband where, you know, it's going to be six months out to a year out before we start seeing like a real gameplay of that. I think some of that will change at E3. Microsoft is in the right now seems to be in the business of making announcements throughout the year, releasing a couple of goods, good games at the end of the year, and then having E3 where they finally start talking about a, a huge number of games that are coming up pretty soon or within the next couple of years. And, uh, I think at this E3, we get a ton of Starfield stuff. We get, if Redfield's not, Redfall's not out, which probably won't be uh, by then, uh, they'll give us, you know, the rundown on that, but that'll be a little bit shorter because that should be coming out pretty soon. And then it's going to be all kinds of stuff that is coming out in 2023. So hopefully Perfect Dark and Avowed and all this other stuff. And maybe they announce uh, Kojima is working on a game, but I think they just want to show gameplay. So they probably won't. Yeah, again, there's there's talks that this particular E3 could be the... Uh, what, what was it? Was it 2015? Was that PlayStation's yeah, play, E3 PlayStation, of Dreams? Yeah, E3 of Dreams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so they, it, they had a couple back-to-back that were pretty good. And, uh, you know, last year's Xbox E3 showcase I thought was very good. Yeah. And I think this year should be significantly better. I agree. Because now, again, we, we know kind of sort of what the future looks like. And there are things they haven't officially announced that we know are in the works. And it'll be interesting to see how these things are falling on, on their kind of grand timeline. But they were in a position where they had to show stuff, unfortunately. Like there was this this loud narrative that Xbox isn't delivering games to its you know platform loyals. And Xbox had to, had to give you this lengthy roadmap that said, we get, we hear you. We understand the criticisms of our platform. Here's what the next several years look like. And I don't inherently have a problem with that, but I get where people are coming from that a lot of the biggest games from Xbox, we don't know what they are. We really don't. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, at the same time, it's like, well, then just don't be excited for those games. uh, Is kind of my, my stance on it. Um, Wait until they actually show gameplay. Let them, 
uh, they will show gameplay. They always have. I mean, Halo, uh, you know, we were six months out from Halo Infinite. And they showed gameplay and it wasn't very good and uh, for some, in some people's opinion, and they delayed it. Uh, they're going to show stuff and they're going to hear what the public hear, feels at that point. It's just going to be, you know, you just got to wait a little bit longer. And that's and if that's the case, then go play other games. There are other games to play and just wait and don't be excited about these ones that you, that you uh, don't know enough about. That's fine. Uh, Super chat from Matt Tishbone says, never played a Souls Born. Loving Elden Ring. Prisoner is challenging at first. Maybe should have picked a better defensive class. Still great fun. It's appreciate Again, I've seen a lot of people who like Cole Eastwood and a lot, a lot of other folks who were not going to play at Elden Ring. I had a lot of people that I was kind of, yeah. let's be real, friendly, slightly harassing about playing Elden Ring. They're like, no, dude. He's playing no it, right? Cole's playing it? Yeah, he's, he's liking it. He's playing it and he's liking it. Awesome. And so I love seeing that. Uh, another one from X Trash lost to PlayStation. Yeah, baby. Street Fighter Six is exclusive. Cope X bots. Killer Instinct is dead and trash. Damn, uh, man. Okay, hey, on the coffin. X Trash. You know what game is was way bigger and more successful than Street Fighter hey. Five? You mean the, because, you mean the biggest fighting game of all time? Because it was multi-platform. Uh, well, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, little, no. little gem called Mortal Kombat. Ever, ever, ever heard of that? That sleeper hit. I mean, come on, nothing, nothing, none of these fighting games compared to the real, true fighting game, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. The, the that is the greatest <laughs> fighting game of all time. Best, best-selling fighting game of all time. So it must be most. It must be the best. That's in my opinion. I, I don't know. Cope X bots. Damn, hurts. <laughs> I will just say that there was a noticeable di- lack of excitement and general community enthusiasm with street fighter five compared to street fighter. Yeah, 4. that's true. Street fighter four was a cultural phenomenon. People were stout game was humongous and street fighter five because of its launch date. And I think exclusivity wasn't that wasn't. Yeah. Also, they just seemed like the development team's heart wasn't in it. No, like they just like, they didn't do a lot to set that game apart. Uh, Hunter Smith. Okay. Okay, so now, now we're getting to the meat of this whole Elden Ring drama. And I need, because I, we, I've seen people complaining. There's been hundreds of people complaining. And I made some jokes about how, you know, a lot of people on Xbox are, uh, you know, taking advantage of the fact that you can just switch your region on the fly and play Elden Ring early. So Hunter Smith, who said that he couldn't connect at all, which is the same experience my two friends who flew to New Zealand had, is saying that, yes, I flew to Australia. So, All right. Yes. So there's something on those planes stopping those okay. servers from working. Is this is this Xbox being like, congratulations, you played yourself? I I'm almost certain it's just From's tech being uh-huh. like, I'm confused. I don't ah! know what to do with it. It's your time. It's saying your time is this, but the time that we have registered with the game perfect. is this. Yeah. Yeah. Your I'm... IP address is weird. Oh like that, no! Please shut it off. You can't. No. No. <laughs> So yes, that is an interesting development. I'm curious to see of the percentage. I think you of, solved this problem. I think All so. Right. Let me let me know. Hit me up on Twitter if that's you. If you can't connect and you did go to a different time zone on Xbox, let's go. Let's get it. Uh, Nick Turbo says, "Do crimes." <laughs> I, 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 I listen. I could do crimes. I'll do crimes. I'll do crime right now. Let's play some NBA Street Volume Two on my Steam Deck <laughs> here. Yeah, come and get me, coppers. That's right, do it. You can't handle it. Um, okay, uh, one more super chat before we jump into uh, Steam Deck. RRD says, Jeff, does Xbox have a secret release this year? Probably not, no. 
uh, listen, I, I've been oh my god, their slate's dead. I've been say, I mean, yeah, I've been saying since last year that that 2022 is going to be pretty light. It is going to be Redfall, Starfield, and and Forza Motorsport Eight. Um, that those that's kind of going to be this year from from Xbox first party. Uh, if they have secret games, I I, I, would, be, I would be very surprised. Uh, first and foremost, but also the more likely maneuver here is spend a lot of money to get day and date game pass games yeah. that seems like to be the, the the move that could happen sooner rather than later i agree i think that's going to be the big play to fill some of these gaps because they realistically know what they're going to be able to deliver and they're they can't magically make these games come sooner so they're going to look to their partners and say hey what are your biggest games let's let's wheel and deal here. let's let's get some hype going let's make game pass look cool um let's partner with some cool indies and um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a surprise. Like, oh, guess what? In July, there's this huge game that Xbox has been sitting on. Everyone's complaining that Xbox isn't showing their games, but they have a secret release in July that they're going to drop. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't. It just seems unlikely. Hey, Jeff, let, let's talk about it. We've been going hands on with yeah. this this thick this thick hunk of material called the oh, valve okay. steam deck tell me the truth did they say what bottle did they send you because they sent me the two, 256 gigabyte same bottle. same okay. I, I wanted to ask but i also didn't want to know i didn't want it to be like oh well they like jeff more so jeff's a baller yeah. he got the 512 <laughs> no and also I'm, I'm i actually am not um sure if i'm upset because I, I listen i pre-ordered the 512 or whatever it is uh that'll be here soon but i i've anti-glare on a lot of pc monitors looks really bad um it like makes the like colors worse and so i'm like i'm hopeful that that that's not the case um but I, i've heard some people say oh the screen isn't as good as i thought it would be and i wonder if they've been using the 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 the, the higher end model and that anti-glare is messing some stuff up because i'm very happy with the way that the screen looks and also very happy sd cards i put a 400 gigabyte sd card in here i've been playing elden ring off the sd card and it's been fine it's like Ooh. five to ten second load times at the most uh, it's super fast. I think that just comes down to CPU in this thing rules and it's just, it's ripping data off that SD card with no problem. So uh, I, I'm almost like recommend, I think I might start recommending people like consider that $400 model and just go all SD card for the most part. And I think you'll be fine. Yeah. When you get that 512, I'm really curious to see a side-by-side of what the screen yes. looks like. Cause I was wondering, that's one of the, the selling features of the more expensive model is the, the etched glass anti-glare like you said, right. I'm wondering if that impacts the display in any sort of way. It does on PC monitors all the time, but that could just be P- P- like PC monitor manufacturers cheaping out. And I don't think Valve is cheaping out on anything with the Steam Deck. Yes. So we're obviously going to dive straight into all of that because it is out for some people. Uh, it's the weird staggered release. So the Q2 right. for others, but these have started shipping and people have started getting them. Uh, we got ours, I think, roughly the first week of February. So we've been we've been testing for about three weeks with this. And before yes. we go into our impressions, where were you at ahead of this? Obviously you had pre-ordered the 512, so you were excited about the, the concept. We had seen the, the Steam console in the past. We had seen Valve dabble with, with dedicated hardware before. So where were you at with the Steam Deck in terms of what it could be ahead of, of getting your hands on it? Um, uh, my, my position was, I was very excited because it seemed very good on paper and also the way that valve was, was sort of speaking about it and positioning things and doing a lot of work on Proton, which is the translation layer that gets windows based games to run on Linux, which this is a Linux computer. Um, the, 
it, it was hard to kind of over like i think a lot of people are, are going to look at it and they're going to see it's pretty big and um they're gonna be like wow that's that seems unwieldy and uh, you know it seems also pretty expensive compared to a switch and all that is very i think it's um the wrong way of looking at it so when they were when they talked when they announced it i was like that is an incredibly powerful computer for that size and at that price yes um yes. and it's so, like Comparing, I was like, I've long been considering getting a Win uh, or a GPD Win Three or something like that, or a uh, Neo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These and these things are, you know, a thousand dollars to thirteen hundred dollars, and they are running kind of the mobile versions, like the the weak mobile versions of Intel or AMD and AMD stuff, and they're getting more powerful and they're getting, they're getting more efficient. But even at a thousand to thirteen hundred dollars, those handhelds, those handheld com computers, are not as powerful on paper as the Steam Deck was, and the Steam Deck was a third of the price uh a half the price it, it, like depending on the model you got and i'm like okay i i'm definitely getting the steam deck i've been wanting to get one of these this is just the, the price to performance on paper is too good so that i was like ready to love this thing um i the, the, my concerns were uh what is steam os going to be like compared to if yeah. i were to, to install windows and, and so I was like, I was waiting to get my hands on for that. And that's good. Like, so when I got it, I'm like, okay, the first thing I'm gonna do is just kind of see how the, I can live with this thing. And then I took it from there. Well, where were you at? So, yeah, I was going into this where I, I, in my current work from home state, I was really excited about the possibilities of having a device that gives me the disconnect from my, my PC. It allows me, cause I enjoy PC gaming, but when I sit here right here in this same spot all day and I work here, and then I get off work and then I play games here. Um, even if it's, you know, just going to a console and, and grabbing an Xbox controller, having that disconnect from my PC, it's necessary for my mental health. And so I was excited yeah. about the possibility of a device that would give me that. I also yes. was in the camp that I thought the, the form factor and the button layout looked terrible. If I'm being brutally honest, when they first revealed it, I was like, those buttons and that control scheme looks like it's going to be a nightmare. Like how, like, cause I have complaints about holding the switch with the joy cons, getting the hand right. cramp. Um, so I, I was expecting it, expecting it to be kind of amplified. I was like looking at the, the rear buttons, looking at the, the, the track yeah. pads, looking at everything at this and say, not only is this thing absolutely massive, but the button positioning looks terrible. It looks so un unnatural. Um, so that's kind of where I was at. I was, I was hopeful that it would deliver. Like you said, on paper, the performance to price ratio on this is incredible. When you compare this again, it is more expensive than the switch. The switch OLED is 350. The, the, the 64 gigabyte uh, Steam Deck is 400. So for 50 extra bucks, if you look at the specs of the switch to the Steam Deck, uh -huh. my God, that's a jump, dude. That is, that is an astronomical I mean, jump in performance. And it's, I mean, let's get into it. Like, I mean, the, the proposition there is, okay, yeah, it, it's more powerful and uh, it, it, you should be able to play many of your Steam games and uh, at least many have been verified and then maybe some of those other ones will work, right? So you start playing those games and what is it like? It's you know, friggin' amazing. Uh, Resident Evil Village, 60 frames per second, looks incredible. You can turn on FSR oh. to get like that solid 60. Uh, it, it's incredible. Like, and how does Resident Evil Village run on the Switch? It's not on the Switch. Like, that's the point. Like, that's the difference here is there are so many games that you could try to see if they're going to work on the Steam Deck, and almost always they do. Uh, I've played 20 hours of Elden Ring on this thing. Elden Ring, not on the Switch. God of War, 
uh, is uh, about 55 frames per second with without with, with minimum input for me from trying to change the settings. I just kind of went with, I think, recommended. And uh, I just started playing 55 frames per second. And, you know, the battery lasts two hours. It's a big concern for a lot of people. For a big game like God of War, it lasts two hours. Yes. Very good, especially when you compare it to how long it lasts on the Switch. God of War's not on the Switch. Like, <laughs> this is the point. Like, it, 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 you have the option to play these games if you want and not just, like, the option... They are running very well. We're not talking like eking out 30 frames per second here. We are talking about real life PC gaming, 60 frames per second with all yes. the inputs that you need. It delivers on all of those promises sort of to me without fail. There are uh, certain exceptions because of Proton and Anti-Cheat. So like the Master Chief collection is not working yet because of Anti-Cheat. But we've seen with Elden Ring, they've already updated the Anti-Cheat to, to make get that working. So it's possible and with the, the support that this thing's getting, it feels like it's just a matter of time. But if you don't want to like count that in like the, the pro column, like, oh, okay, Master Chief Collection doesn't work right now. I think Halo, uh, Halo, Halo Infinite, Infinite doesn't. Halo Infinite. doesn't work right now. No. So yeah, okay, well, all right, let's, let's hold that against it. But Halo Infinite isn't on many portable things. So like, it's kind of, that's kind of like the, the way I'm coming at it. If this is going to be your primary PC gaming machine, okay, uh, that, then I could c consider it. But at that point, like you're still talking about a very expensive laptop that you're gonna have to get to run a lot of these games, and uh, and 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 it's unwieldy. Like I mean, I, I need something that fits into my life. I need something that uh, I got two kids running around all the time, and I want to kind of be able to keep up with them. And so I got a gaming laptop. I'm like, I'll bring the gaming laptop with me. I'll sit on the couch. They'll play on with their toys over here, and I'll be able to spend time with them. And yet, we'll all be able to like engage in the things that we like. And that has been, first of all, if I try to do it on battery. The laptop battery lasts 30 minutes while playing the <laughs> yeah, game. The, yes. it, yeah. it, it's like a, it's a completely unusable. So I have to plug it in. I'm, I'm dragging this cable with me everywhere. It's it's it doesn't fit into my life. This thing does instantaneously. It has fit into my life in a way that I'm just like so appreciative of. Uh, if you are someone who has ever like I've gotten really into handhelds recently, not just the, the, the switch, but like I've been buying a lot of retro handhelds uh, because I'm like, I just want to kind of have stuff with me. And the Steam Deck is this um, sort of unbelievable proposition of saying, we are going to enable you to bring real PC gaming with you, at least around the house, maybe when you're traveling. And then beyond that, it's going to be like, okay, well, you're not going to like keep the Steam Deck in your pocket because it is too big for no, that. God, so no. are, that is the sacrifice that is being made here. It is a bit too big. It's a bit too heavy. But then everything else works kind of like you would, would hope it would work. And I, I've been blown away with, with it. It's And for me, I mean, I, I, this is the way I put it in my review. It's my favorite PC gaming PC ever. I think it's probably the best gaming PC ever because it's just, you kind of can't deny that what it's doing right is something no other gaming PC has ever even tried. And it's doing it right and great. And it's fantastic. You're, you're absolutely right. I was, I've been consistently, honestly blown away by the performance across the board because I went into this testing a wide range of games. And I came at this from a perspective of who is this for? Who is this device for? Like I have a Switch. I have a gaming PC, I have a Series X, I have a PS5. Um, where does this fit in into my life? How, how does this work? And like you said, being able to play games natively on this on this portable PC, Sea of Thieves, for example. Not only right. does Sea of Thieves look incredible, I can run Sea of Thieves from my toilet natively at 60 frames per second. And that cannot be understated. I've played on xCloud, and while xCloud has improved and it does get better, then the latency is right now impossible to ignore for me. Like as someone who's yep. used to native Sea of Thieves going and playing it remotely, I, I feel it. And being able to 
play Sea of Thieves on this, I don't feel it. There's no, there's no latency. I, I got my Xbox account linked to my Steam account. I can, all that progress is there and I can just go on my couch while my wife is watching something on TV and I can play Sea of Thieves. Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls the Dream. Because their Dark Souls Remastered is on Switch. You can technically play Dark Souls on Switch. But Dark Souls 3, I played it on Xbox One at launch. Uh, we t- we're, we're talking about four, poor frame pacing. Xbox Dark Souls yeah. 3 on Xbox One? Oh, my God. Oh, that you, you're complaining about not lock 60? What about not even close to lock 30 ever? Right. Um, that was the experience. And being able to play Dark Souls 3 and have it look better than xbox one did at launch and have it run at 60 fps yeah you're you have a device that is more capable and more powerful than the xbox one and ps4 in so many ways and and 60 fps in almost every single game i tested was possible so i played games that i played on switch monster hunter rise for example a mate monster hunter is such an amazing long-running handheld formula i played it on switch i liked it again i'm not I can play, I played Pokemon Legends Arceus for over 100 hours. I can deal with 30 FPS if I have to. But seeing the difference and feeling the difference between Monster Hunter Rise on Switch versus the Steam Deck, ooh. And again, it's about the games you can't play. Tales of Arise. Tales of Arise isn't on Switch. You can't play Tales of Arise on Switch. But you can open up your Steam Deck. You can play Tales of Arise at medium to high settings at 60 FPS. And yeah. That cannot be and then, understated. And then, and then, like, the battery life. Like, when you were playing Monster Hunter, and I have a, I'm like, the, the plan is to do some real testing on battery. The reason I didn't feel the need to do it is because it has always sort of been good enough with the Steam Deck so far. Uh, the Elden Ring was the one that was the hardest on it. I got uh, between an hour and a half to two hours playing Elden Ring, which doesn't sound like a lot. It's because it's one of the least optimized games for PC. I'm it's seeing sucking the that juice, yeah. Right, right. But, but even then, I'm like hour and hour obsession with Elden Ring. Like I, I, I said this on our podcast yesterday. I think I'm the person who has played Elden Ring on the toilet more than anyone else in the world. Like I, I'm almost certain that that is true. And it's because <laughs> of this thing. And it's like, and, and it's like, so, uh, <laughs> and so it's like uh, uh, an hour and a half of that, like having that option is better than not having that option at all. Like that is the comparison that we should be looking at. Not like, oh, well, the, the switch runs runs longer when it's running a different game that isn't Elden Ring because Elden Ring isn't on the Switch. And the the next like important piece of this puzzle here is Steam OS and the power that Valve puts in your hands to control the experience. If battery life is way more important to you, if you if your commute is like two hours each day and and an hour and a half in Elden Ring isn't enough, well, well first updates to Elden Ring should improve that. It should run longer in the future. But if it doesn't. You have the quick settings button. You hit that, drop your TDP down so that the game locks in at 30. There's an option to lock the frame rate at 30. And now the game, now the system's only drawing a certain amount of power and you will see the battery indicator tells you, now we expect this game to last two and a half hours, three hours. Like you can have that control and it's right there in a quick settings button. It's like, it, like these are options that are available on the Switch if you hack your Switch. Like you could do these things on the Switch if you hack your Switch having valve trust you say this is a gaming pc this is a computer you should have these powers and not just you should you have them we know that you're coming to this thing for games and we know that you're going to want to be able to play them portably so what's the most important things making sure you're getting the most battery life making sure you're getting the best performance so here are tools to see how the game's performing and you can just put the overlay on the screen with a couple button presses and now you can see are you hitting 60 frames per second if that's important to you well now you can see go mess with these other settings in the quick settings button menu 
to see if you can make sure that things are, are, are locking in. There's FSR at a system level to maybe get things to perform a little bit better. Uh, and it's like, okay, all these things are at your fingertips and it just feels so powerful. It it's gonna turn everyone who gets a Steam Deck into a power user. And it's it's so impressive that they uh, that they trust you and they knew how important this stuff was and had it working day one. Many of these things weren't working on day negative five or something like that. No. By day one, they are now working. And it's like, I you, this is exactly what this system needed. And it's great that the tools are right there, ready to go. Yeah, shout out to this team because the we we've had it for weeks and they they've been doing an update every day ish or so. They've been pumping out so many and honestly, the UI experience early on was buggy. It was it was rough. It was weird. Couldn't navigate the store well. Couldn't navigate the operating system well. Had some concerns and then yeah, like you said, like the up until the first week they were putting out updates every single day and then the last yes. few. Well it just got to this point where like, oh, damn, everything does work now. Like everything yep. now is, is snappy. It's responsive. Like you said, you have all of these controls and their official yes. rating is two to eight hours. I could never get close to eight hours, no matter what game. Even Yeah, even I, I, got, I, I got like six and a half to seven in um, uh, like Vampire Survivors and stuff like that. Yeah, I could play stuff like Spelunky too, and that was like, yeah, I was getting well over six hours. But yeah, but uh, I, th I think the point you probably could get eight if you were willing to drop it down to thirty frames per second. But six hours is a really long gaming session. Like, yeah, that's like, yeah, that, that's how long the Switch lasts in reality too. Like, I think the Switch OLED is rated for like nine hours. Most games don't get nine hours; they're going to get like no. seven at the most. So again, what they've achieved here is is really impressive, and what I found myself surprised by was ahead of this there was all this this talk of like oh installing windows on it and installing all these other things and and making it this portable gaming pc but i was so overwhelmingly impressed with steam's default operating system that yeah. i just i didn't even have any desire to do that once i got my hands on it and, and saw the work that they put into this operating system and making this device streamlined i was like why would i the selling I mean, the point of this is, is like, oh, if I'm not getting 60 frames per second in this game, maybe it'll run better in na natively in Windows, but I'm getting 60 frames per second in almost everything I try. Yeah. So it is, it, it is incredibly impressive. And I am kind of curious to see what the adoption rate looks like and, and who this is for, because there are some caveats to the portability. You cannot boot a game offline. You can put a game in suspend state once it's booted, but if you are not connected to Wi-Fi, you cannot open any games. And, and this is this is very similar to the way the Switch works with digital games. Yes. But you have the option for physical games on the Switch. That is not an option. <laughs> there, there is no card slot for video, guard, video uh -huh. game cards there's, on here. Yeah, there's right. not going to be a Steam case in the store where you can buy the, the no. Steam Deck version of a game. So yeah, it's not that unfamiliar. Um, but I thought that was a, a weird caveat because you could just put something in suspend and then it didn't matter. So I, you could work around it and you can have multiple... Uh, programs in a suspend state and that that ignores it um so there are some workarounds if you want to take it on the bus or take it wherever make sure you have it in a suspend state um, I, I mean I, what i do with my switch is i and because I, I buy all my games digitally on the switch is i just connect it to my phone and i boot up games that way and that that works with this too so mm -hmm. it is a a hurdle of digital gaming one that i would hope valve which is exclusively digitally gaming finds a solution for finds a way to say here let me authenticate these five games let me have an offline library and I, I have to like rotate the games in and out but let me let me at least have some games that are an offline library they should find a solution for this i, I because they built a portable so it, it, it seems like part of the deal uh, of that would be like 
eventually I'm gonna be in a place without internet because I bought a portable. I wanna be able to play my games while camping off the grid. Uh, this, th this system hypothetically should be able to go off the grid. So uh, help me out there. And yeah, that, that, hopefully they find a solution. I'd like how the Nintendo online library works in the sense that you have seven days. So you can just authenticate once every seven days. I think even small things like that with the Steam Deck would go a long way to make, yeah. it, make it. So again, if you are taking this somewhere, which this, again, this is kind of the selling point. Like you said, unless you have Jinko jeans, you're not fitting this in your pocket. That's for sure. You're going to need a satchel. You're going to need a backpack. You're going to need a shoulder yes. bag. This thing's big. I cannot understand yeah, how big this it, thing is. And if you put it in, in the case that comes with it for a lot, I think for the, the two upper models, I don't know if the lower end comes with the case, but that case is also very bulky. So you're not going to be like putting it in your purse. Like it's not going to probably not going to fit in most purses. So you're going to need like a dedicated like backpack that you carry stuff in. And even then, I'm not sure if it'll fit very well. So quick shout out to the 270 people joining us. If you are digging the show, hit the like button, share it out, all that great stuff. If you're listening on podcast services, uh, rate the show, follow the show. Um, we're going to circle back around to Mr. Joanna Dark's question about emulation. Um, and if you guys have any other questions, Steam Deck related, drop them in the chat. We'll, we'll try to circle back to those. I know you're, you are a big emulation guy, and I'm excited to have you on for this because I, once upon a time, I was big in emulation. I, I did a lot. In my uh, older age, if you will, I've cared a lot less about j doing any sort of emulation, but I know you've been getting down and dirty. So two big questions yeah. here. Can you do it without any sort of changes? Can you do it just from within the Steam OS? And two, what are the other options for emulation on Steam Deck? Yeah, so so there's a lot of a lot of things to consider here. This is one of the challenges with doing the Steam Deck review, right? There are so many questions that you need to answer, and a lot of them require like a lot of effort going in and figuring this stuff out. So it's like mm -hmm. I'm like I, I talked a little bit about emulation in my review. Now I'm like really beginning to dig in, so I could do some more coverage based on this a little alone. So you got a couple options here. The, the Retro Arch is just in Steam. Yeah, yes. And retro get that one. Retro Arch. Yes. So Retro Arch is a, a front end where you can uh, uh, basically download cores, which are ba basically the, the emulators. And these cores are in the DLC store on Steam. And they'll, they'll, they'll say stuff like, for a virtual helmet made by a company in the mid-90s that didn't last very long, because they can't say the word Nintendo because that's trademarked. Um, but basically, oh, it's for Virtual Boy. So you can get a Virtual Boy emulator. And now you just have to find a way to get games. And the way you do that is either uh, you can uh, try to like, the, the way I've done it, I'll just explain, explain the way I've done it. You can go to non-Steam games. There's a tab in the library on the Steam Deck, and it gives you a prompt right away. Say, would you like to install Chrome, Google Chrome? You hit yes, and then from the like the Steam OS interface, not even through the like the desktop interface, which we'll talk about in a second, um, you can use the navigation like of the touchpads, the touch screen, uh, the on-screen keyboard to use Chrome to like go to certain sites and get stuff. Now there are some issues with like you know, it, first of all. Downloading ROMs is a much hairier thing than downloading emulators. So you mm -hmm. want you want typically technically you want to have backups. You want to own these games. So if, let's say you own the game, and then now you're going to get a backup of it, uh, and you're going to go to archive.org, which is a site that keeps a lot of this stuff. Uh, you got to keep in mind that this is still Linux, and if you were to download like a seven zip, well, it's not super easy to get a seven zip unzipper. So yeah. what I've done is I've done a lot of the work on my PC. I've put stuff into Dropbox or or OneDrive. And now I'm, I'm just logging into OneDrive from Chrome, from the Steam Deck. I'm downloading these things. And then I just point the emulator at the folder where the stuff is downloading and it just it just works. So 
Uh, that's been very good. Now, RetroArch doesn't do everything. Um, also, the stuff it does for like 3D gaming, like later 3D, 3D gaming, like um, um, Dolphin, which isn't even an option in the core store on Steam right now. So you have to go get Dolphin for GameCube. And the way you do that is you boot into desktop mode. And that is just hold down the power button and it takes you, it gives you an option to say, okay, re or switch to desktop. And now you have a desktop computer, like any other yep. computer. It's running Linux, it's Arch Linux, it's Arch Linux based anyhow. And there's a little store icon on the on the test taskbar called the Discover Store. You click on that, and you at this point your your on-screen keyboard won't work anymore because that's a Steam OS function. It doesn't work on the excuse me on the Arch Linux side. So if you need to use the keyboard, you're gonna have to plug one in through a dock and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But but the the store is easy enough to navigate with just the touchpad that I was able to get to the applications for those um those emulators without having to use the keyboard at all. So I got Dolphin and Yuzu, which runs Switch games, and Zemu, which runs Xbox games, and I've downloaded those all, and now uh, you open up Steam on the desktop side, and you say, okay, add non-Steam games, and you add all those applications, so now all those games will boot up when you're in the Steam OS side of things. And then I just do the same thing. I go to Chrome, get all my games from OneDrive, I, I download them to the system, and uh, you know I can play NBA Street Volume 2 on Dolphin, right on this thing, and like, Emulation is like now these these emulators are made for Linux for the most part, so it's pretty good. But there's still some quirks. Like every game's going to be different, but uh, it's it seems very and this thing's going to be very successful. This the Steam Deck relatively for a for a handheld computer for a laptop even it's probably going to sell better than most laptops. So it's going to get a lot of support. So I expect the emulation scene on this thing to just explode. Uh, I've I posted a, a, a tweet just you know say oh PC gamer show me how to do the discover thing. And I, you know, a quote tweeted, it's got 42,000 likes. People are ready to emulate on this thing. And so uh, I think the scene for this thing is going to blow up. And it's like a year from now, there's going to be so much support. But even out of the box right now, it is very easy to get into emulators. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about the Steam Deck is they really thought about who this audience was for, who was going to be excited about a Steam Deck. And they give you the, the streamlined Steam OS where you just open it up, sign in download games. You can do that. That's simple. That works beautifully. Like you said, holding the power button to go to desktop mode. And there, if you, like you said, if you want to do emulation, you download it from there. There's a lot of stuff built into this. So you don't have, a lot of people were speculating on all these things that they would have to do, all these operating systems right. they would have to install to make this work. And you, you really don't, you really don't, unless you're trying to run native windows games through this um, because like I said, stuff like Halo Infinite, there are a, a selection right. of titles that won't work due to anti-cheat stuff, which is a, a more of a Linux problem. But what I'm hoping is- I, 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 I expect that to be solved. I honestly I, do. Yeah, I, would, I can't don't imagine- give it credit. Don't, uh, don't buy this thing assuming these things will be solved, but I have one coming and uh, if it doesn't work, I'll just play Halo in some other way. Uh, that, like that's kind of my opinion. And then if Halo does begin to work, well, that's fantastic. When we do our Halo game nights and I am busy around that time trying to put my kids to bed, well, once I get the kid in bed, I'll I'll have her like read a book to me and I'll just get it up and I'll get it started and I'll get set up and be ready to go and kind of get set up in Discord on my phone and be talking to the guys to be like, okay, all right, I'll be in there in a second and then get the kid to sleep and then I'll just go hop in the other room real quick and just keep playing. Like that would be, that's a, a, a nice fairy tale I can tell myself right now, but I expect that to be a reality because of the support for this thing should be pretty off the charts. I think uh, the big thing here is I think easy anti-cheat, like these, these anti-cheat services are probably just gonna find a way to update their thing so that they work with Linux. Uh, but even if they just update the thing to work through Proton every time, I also expect that to be the case. Because like you said, if if this does well, and I imagine it will do well, a lot of people will, will look at that and say, okay, we need to make sure games like Lost Ark, 
we need to make sure games like Destiny 2. There are a lot of huge Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Lost Ark, Halo Infinite. A lot of the biggest multiplayer games don't work currently, and I can't imagine that that's just, okay, well, sorry, we, yeah. we can't do it. I, I don't imagine that developers are going to completely ignore the Steam Deck as it starts rolling out more. And again, if they can give exceptions to Proton and say, all right, we, we recognize that this is booting from this device. We don't have to worry about right. cheat concerns here. Um, pass it through. Stuff like that is going to be huge. And there will be less caveats to the overall portfolio. I mean, aren't, aren't you more willing to buy games on Steam now because of this, right? Like, I, I, to me, I'm like, Having that Steam library be beefy and ready to go, I, I like. I just feel like just like what happened with the Switch. Like I was way more likely to end up buying games for the Switch than I was even for the Wii U, which had like this like quasi portability to it. Um, because I'm like, oh, I can take it everywhere. If I have a game ready to go and I'm like, I feel like it's on a whim, I'm just gonna buy a game on this thing. Uh, I think that that's gonna be true for most people who get into the Steam Deck, where. You know, and I've seen people say this, like, I'm getting a Steam Deck. I don't have any Steam games, but I'm going to start buying them. I'm going to start buying, getting into those sales. And I think once people get the portable version of this PC of Steam, uh, it's going to click over and be like, okay, I'm going to buy games. And if your game doesn't work on Steam Deck for any reason, uh, it's going to, like, you're going to be losing out on significant sales, I think. So it's it's worth getting those things solved. Yeah, for me, my Switch has been like my kind of JRPG machine. I don't play nearly as many JRPGs as I once did, but every now and then I'll get the itch and I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna, I want to see something. And, you know, Xbox has its issues with support on the JRPG side, so a lot of those games don't come to Xbox. I'm like, well, okay, I would normally buy it on Xbox, but I can't buy it here, so I guess I'll buy it on Switch. And, you know, playing stuff like Tales of Arise. I played Trials of Mana, which I bought on Switch. Uh, looks fine, runs at 30 FPS fine on Switch. Playing that on the Steam Deck and having it be like max ultra settings on everything at 60 FPS, that makes me way more inclined to buy those those types of titles on that device because again, not only is the performance better, but that 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 convenience is there. And that convenience cannot be understated because you you push the button like from from a sleep state, you push a button like a second later, you're you're in there, and then if you have a game in a suspend state, one second later you're in a game. Like that convenience is that's not available on any desktop PC. I mean, you can't. Elden Ring. I mean, people you, people talk about not being able to pause Elden Ring. I paused Elden Ring 150 times. Like I paused oh. it all the time just by hitting the suspend suspend button right there. Checkmate, like, gamers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like suspending your computer where it's like, oh, okay, I have a bunch of tabs open and maybe I like, oh, maybe I have like a, a server thing running over here or, or you know, like I got to have Discord so I can hear those notifications. This is a gaming device and it's meant to be a good gaming device. And if that means like, oh, like, uh, suspend it and I don't have to worry about it, like it's made to do that. It's not, you know, like suspending my computer just to like pause a game that I can't pause otherwise, it seems like an absurd notion to me. Uh, doing it on here though, it just makes sense. I did it, like you're saving the battery. I did it 150 times at least when I was playing Eldering. So yeah. And again, you don't realize that it's a big deal until you've experienced it. Like when, when Nintendo presented the Switch to us and we were like, what is this? What the hell is Nintendo? Why you got to be so weird all the time? Why you got to make things extra? Like nobody was asking for this device. And then you get it and you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that I wanted this. And I didn't even realize that this was something I, that would impact the way I expect my games to play. And that's kind of what the Steam Deck does. Like. PC gaming, I assume, okay, well, I got to boot up my PC, got to log into Steam, open the game here, 
And then all of the, all again, that's first world problems. It doesn't take that long to do all of that. But that being said, having the Steam Deck an arm's reach away and being able to hit a button and then one more button, I'm in a game. Yep. That's, that's, that's a game changer. That is a game yes, changer. And that's made me way more excited about PC gaming as someone who's, again, I'm a dirty console heathen. So that's where I'm coming at. I'm not a PC elitist. I have a bunch of teammates who are like, dude, you need to get a 32 by 10 ultra wide monitor. I'm like, no, <laughs> what is no, wrong with actually, you? They're, they're actually wrong about that, by the way, because you know what's uh, uh, better than 32 by 10 is 32, what, 32 by nine, two, two 32 by nine stacked on top of each other, which is just a regular <laughs> big TV. It's just a regular big TV. Like think, if you think when you think about it that way, this, those ultra wide screens are just kind of weird. I don't want to have to literally turn my head to look at my HUD. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? I'm but, I got one right behind me, so I'm like, who am I to talk? But like, I'm like, I, I would have preferred just to have a big screen that is that big, but also just like two of these stacked on top of each other. Yeah, let's go. So before we move on to our final topic of the show, one overall question for you is, who is this for? And will this have widespread appeal? Do you think that the Steam Deck will, will catch on for a lot of people, or is this only for people who primarily play on PC and want an option to play PC games in a portable setting? I think, uh, and I think this is what Valve believes as well, that this is for a new segment of PC gamers. This will be introducing PC gaming to a different subset of people who have a different, who have different requirements for what they need to be comfortable playing games. Um, I, I, I love my PC. I, I, love, I love my 38 Ti, and I got a, I got honestly got a couple of really powerful gaming computers around me right here for testing all the time, and I love that. Um, and I play, I've, I've spent hundreds of hours in many games on the PC sitting at the desktop, but inherently it's 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 not the most comfortable for me because it's a mental thing a little bit where I give I get I feel guilty really easy when I'm doing things for myself, and uh, I want to be present in other people's lives, especially my family members. So if they are upstairs watching a tv show without me and i know they want to like be able to share that experience with me i feel bad to go downstairs in my little my little hole and play my games uh, i i shouldn't feel that way no one should feel that way but i do i can't help it so i i think that by giving people the idea like okay you can have the full pc gaming experience for the most part there are there are some caveats but for the like the vast majority of things and and and, and you can take that with you anywhere in your home you could take that with you in the car you could sit in the back of the car and, and, and on a road trip with your family and have all these things and it's not some super expensive thing for the most elite it's it starts at 400 dollars, which is a pretty close to the price especially these days with inflation that's pretty close to the price that like i could see myself just kind of dropping that for a kid's you know birthday or our, our kid's christmas present and being like hey here is your way into pc gaming and go to town uh i, I think this is going to open up a lot of people who previously saw pc gaming as uh, this this uh, closed off thing or, or or this too open thing where it's like it's going to require all these extra things for you. Well, here's the good news. Valve makes this. They put SteamOS on it. They took care of almost all that for you. When you boot it up, the first thing you're going to see is the Steam store with all the games. It's going to be very easy to then buy one of those, <coughs> excuse me, or even download one for free and start playing immediately. It's just so streamlined. Uh, that I think it's going to encourage a, a huge number of people who previously weren't into PC gaming to get into it. Now, it doesn't mean this is not probably going to sell as much as the Switch. Uh, the Switch is this own, its own thing, and you have your Pokemon and things like that that make this um, make the Switch a must-have for multiple generations of people. Uh, but I do think that the, the Steam Deck is going to continue uh, like selling out. I think that if it were to um, 
get to a point where it showed up in Best Buy like next holiday or the holiday after that. I bet it's still going to be selling out. I think it's going to be very popular. I think when people talk about using this as an emulation box, it's going to be like the go-to emulation system, I think, for a lot of people. I got people who love gaming. Like, I just got a DM from Dan Rikers. Like, tell me how to do this. Tell, tell me how to emulate on the Steam Deck. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's let, let's figure it out. Like, there's people are going to uh, eat this thing up, and it's going to it's gonna be a, a very huge success, and it's going to be a new audience in, in addition to the people who are like, oh, I love everything PC gaming. So, of course, I'm also getting the Steam Deck. I absolutely agree. The, the, for me, the greatest strengths of the Steam Deck are the fact that it basically eliminates any hurdles, any any learning curves for people who've been hesitant to get yes. into PC gaming. Um, there is no hurdle. There's no barrier. You need a Steam account, and you need to own games, and that is it. And then yep. the, the operating system is intuitive. The user experience is intuitive. You can go straight to the store. Um, everything that you can do on there is akin to why people love consoles why people love the switch why people love the xbox why people love the playstation is because they can turn it on they can open a game they can turn it on they can go to a store buy a game and then play that game and that's exactly what the steam deck is it's got a lot more you can definitely go deeper and like you said especially on the emulation side people will go a lot deeper with this you have linux linux is the the ultimate flexible operating system there's yeah. there's a reason people swear by it it's because you can do pretty much anything with it and that is what this is using so we are going to see some absolutely wild stuff in the future on steam deck there's no doubt about that but for the people who just want to buy a device and play pc games there is literally no option that is more simple mm -hmm. I, I i agree and it's just it um all of the concerns that people have like uh before they get one uh like as, as people are like oh the battery life is low or something like that or even it, it's heavy um or, or on, on wieldy and big uh i think the battery life concern is completely overblown um i i have i i have battery anxiety with my phone it feels like my phone like just drains out of a, a google pixel 6 pro and i'm just like man this this bat like just using this like this thing just like navigating the web or something it feels like the battery's just going and going um, like navigating like the OS on this thing, it feels like the, the battery would last forever. I, it doesn't, you can't like watch the battery thing just drain. It's just, it's a comfortable long battery life. And then once you get into a game, you're going to be able to play for at least two hours in the biggest, most unoptimized games. Uh, yeah. Games that just obviously would never be able to run on the Switch. And they'll, uh, they'll probably be running at 60 frames per second. And I think once people start getting used to that and like, oh, this is meeting my needs. That that battery anxiety will go away. The, the size is 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 a, like it is. It is big. It's absolutely big. Uh, I got used to holding it pretty quickly, but I'm like I'm like six feet tall. I'm a bit, I'm a big guy. I think maybe if I were to hand this to kids, they'd be like, oh okay, this just over. probably isn't. Yeah, they're gonna it's... not. They're gonna fall over or whatever. Uh, and if that's a concern, then maybe do wait because the second generation is gonna be smaller. It's gonna be lighter. Um, it's probably gonna be way more powerful even because the, the the advancements that we're getting in uh x86 and x64 chip design and them going to like four nanometers it's going to be so efficient but for now I, I, the way it is right now i'm in love with it it is my favorite way to play pc games ever it, it is it is so good and i gotta get to i see a couple of people complaining about the size and the button layout and i did you know ahead of this say that i was concerned about that but um as soon as i held it that all of that yeah. immediately went away because i mean it's where my it's just where my thumbs go this yeah. is complete. I'm just resting my thumbs naturally. They just end up on the analog sticks and moving them here. It's just this light movement. It is very comfortable. Uh, I think the 
uh, the track pads, well, you're going to be using them less. So you have to bend your thumb and that, that's a little bit less comfortable, but you're going to be using them less. Now, I think if you if you are going to be playing a game for a really long time where you have to focus on, on using these, I think that might be a little bit of an issue, but I haven't really experienced that yet. So I'm just kind of uh, extrapolating maybe, but holding it like this, it is super comfortable. I thought that I would be so uninterested in the track pads, and I thought that that was just such an unnecessary addition to it. And I thought the, that the only reason they even put it in there was because they had to due to compatibility. They wanted to ensure the widest spread of games would work with it. That being said, after playing stuff like Sea of Thieves and having that that fine tune, because I'm I'm a console heathen. I love a controller. I prefer a controller, but I also understand that that. that Precision aiming, it just isn't as good on a controller, generally generally speaking. Being able to have the controller experience with that trackpad and get those subtle little aim adjustments on Sea of Thieves, it made me want Xbox and PlayStation to think about that when they are designing their next controller. Like the next Elite, if they could incorporate a, a like sleek little trackpad with that precision. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I agree. That would be nice. All right, Jeff, final topic of the show today is the future of gaming subscription services. On your excellent show, Grub Snacks, this week, you, did, you talked a little bit about PlayStation Spartacus, which has been the, the, the rumored upcoming subscription service for PlayStation that is quote-unquote supposed to be an answer to Xbox Game Pass in a lot of ways. We got some, some new details about what this could potentially be. Three-tier three -tier system ranging from $10 to $16. Um, $10 version essentially being kind of what we know PS now use it to play online use it to get your monthly games um, retro offerings a lot of different offerings there so now that you have more information about the PlayStation Spartacus subscription and what it could potentially launch as are you excited about it does what PlayStation build it does what PlayStation is building here get you excited to to buy in I, I don't know. I'm probably going to be like on the, like a little bit on the fence uh, in my head, uh, but I'm going to absolutely still probably get the $16 per month plan. I, I, it's kind of how it feels like it's going to break where um, I'm going to want to see what those classic games are. I'm going to want to have those options on, on my PlayStation. I, I'm going to, I think game trials is a very good idea. Uh, actually now it's obviously not as good as getting full games and there is, uh, Mike Minotti on our podcast, I was like saying, like, I think this most people actually just try the games on Game Pass and then they're like, oh, this isn't for me. I didn't spend any money on it, so I don't feel bad about like I have to keep playing it. And Mike's like, yeah, there, people do do that. But when you tell them that, tell them like they only get a game trial, there's this mental hurdle and people like actually uh, really don't like being told, oh, you only get a trial, even if they really were only going to try the game on Game Pass. So I'm like, okay, that's a, a good point. I, but I still think like for... Sony trying to navigate this and figure out what it looks like um, without putting their games on Game or on, on Spartacus Day One. Um, that's a pretty good uh, sort of threading of the needle. Uh, but I, I don't know. It still doesn't feel um, all that game changing. It doesn't feel like it's going to change the narrative. Uh, this is still going to just be PlayStation. It's still going to be hey, Game Pass is the subscription service of the future, and also Sony has something like that's what it feels like. It's it's going to break down to. Um, and yet, I think if you are someone who is in the PlayStation ecosystem, I kind of couldn't imagine at least getting like, you know, the $13 tier and having that library of games just at your fingertips. That's 300 games you could download uh, and just play natively on your system. Like, that seems pretty good. And then if you're paying $13 a month, why wouldn't you just pay $16 a month? An extra $3, <laughs> what is that, a cup of coffee? Uh, why wouldn't you just do that? It's kind of, I think, how a lot of people are going to end up in that $16 tier. 
Um, and and for Sony, that's that's exactly what they're looking for. They are just looking to make more money from their subscription services, getting more people in and having them spend a little bit more money per month uh, because they make a lot of money from su- su- subscription services already. PS- PlayStation Plus is very successful. It is the reason why they are making so much money, even though they're going through a console generation uh, transition, which previously would have cost them to lose a lot of money. As much money as Sony's made in the past, they've lost most of it in the years when they launched new systems. Uh-huh. They've changed that this generation because of PlayStation Plus and services and selling microtransactions. And now they, they know that is their future of profitability. And so they are doubling down and trying to figure out ways to make that, uh, that service as appealing as possible. Um, I think this is a, a good move forward. I think um, it'll probably get a lot of people in their subscription service. It's not going to, it's not going to be an actual answer to game pass. And I think even Sony really knows that. I think in my story, when I wrote about this, I think I positioned it like, Oh, this is a bit of their answer to Game Pass. I know uh, Jason Schreier, when he wrote a story, that was the headline. This yeah. is the answer to Game Pass. I don't think Sony really thinks this is the answer to Game Pass. I think they think this is their answer to getting a lot more money in a way that they've already successfully shown they can get a lot of money. I think that's their actual reason for doing this. I Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that this is more about selling a service to people already bought into the PlayStation ecosystem as yes. a way to get incremental monthly revenue. Because like you said, if you mostly play on PlayStation, these perks are pretty cool. Getting the, the library of games, getting the retro games, especially if you've been a legacy PlayStation fan, stuff like that, like Nintendo has understand understood with their online service. If you bundle those in, there are people who are like, I love those old games. I will pay the $16. I was only doing the $10 a month thing, but I really want those retro games, so I will pay for that. And that's that's what this is. I agree that I don't think, based on what we know about this, that this is an answer to play, uh, Game Pass. And I think PlayStation right now is, in my eyes, obviously very hesitant to have an answer to Game Pass. And they are seeing, you know, treading the waters in a way that says, okay, this is what Xbox is doing that's successful. This is what a Nintendo is doing that's successful. How do we take some of those elements into our ecosystem uh, without really going all in? The trials, like you mentioned, are a way to give people a way to experience their biggest games in in hopes that they buy it. Um, But it's not a transformative service in any way like, like Game Pass, where the biggest games from that platform are there day one. And again, I don't think there's inherently a problem. I've seen a lot of people say that trials are dumb or, or bad or whatever. And it is weird. It is, it is weird that when you see what the competition is doing and you see that the competition is being praised constantly for this constantly, like game pass is such a big headline all of the time. And then you say, but we'll do trials. We're going to do something a little, it's, it's kind of like Nintendo. Like we know it works, but we're going to do something a little different. We're just going to we're going to do our own thing and and people are going to complain, some people are going to buy in and it's going to be in this weird middle ground, I think. So, I'm curious to see how it lands. I have a PlayStation 5, I have PlayStation Plus. I will be curious to see what the retro library looks like. I am a sucker for games like Ape Escape. Uh if they if they hit me with the, all the Ape Escapes in there, uh all the Twisted Metals, it's going to be tough gonna tough for me to tell my my stupid small brain and be like you don't need this dude you won't even play these (laughs) yep but same that's just where i'm sorry i'm being honest with myself and i'm being all honest with all of you i did the same i'm gonna be the same way i'm gonna get those i'm gonna get the thing because i'm like oh old games i like old games and that's gonna be it i'm just gonna get it for sure i did the same thing with the switch online the nintendo 64 one and i've barely touched it i'm being honest with myself um i got a day one got a day one and i haven't touched it much either yeah so 
I get it. You can, you can call me a clown all you want because I, I am. I shouldn't have bought it, but I did. I did, okay. And I bought the family version because I had upgraded to the family <laughs> version because my wife wanted to play some Animal Crossing with her friends. Paying and, that real money. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm just burning money, all right? I'm just thro throwing money at retro shit. Yeah, but now you control like family plans and like you could like let people come to you and beg for like like the family. Like, yes, I'll let you into my family and stuff like that. Right. So you yeah. can become the head of a family yeah all right yeah welcome to the fa 20 bucks 20 bucks i'll get you in my family <laughs> plan all right let me know shoot hit me a dm if you want part in <laughs> got gotta supplement those costs here all right so one more question on the future of this because we, we've heard gabe newell talk about working with microsoft to get xbox game pass onto steam i want to know what the dream subscription service looks like for jeff grubb if xbox Nintendo or PlayStation was to deliver the ultimate gaming subscription, what would that be for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, you know, honestly, I mean, right now I feel like Game Pass is pretty close to, to what I want from a, a, a subscription service. So uh, I don't know. And, and it's, I feel like it's going to be pretty hard for a lot of other companies to match that. I mean, whether that's because it's, it's expensive or because um, they don't want to disrupt the business models that they already have, like, you know, Valve, as a business model, they're very happy with selling people games. And for them, like they're the one on PC that feels like they could maybe do a, a, a PC Game Pass competitor and and really like like take the day. But do they have the sort of vigor to make that happen? I, I don't think so, um, at least not anytime soon, not until their business is threatened. And that doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. Um, so I, I don't know, if, if I wanted like a dream su su subscription, it would probably just be if, Game Pass were replicated across Nintendo and PlayStation and Sony or, or and Steam and where, you know, you just get all of their big games. If I got all the big games from Nintendo through a subscription service, I would absolutely do that and also have all of their old games. Like I should just be able to have the entire library of Nintendo stuff. Like this, why this isn't already a thing is absurd. Like this should just be the way it works. That should be what Nintendo Switch Online actually is instead of just like these small little uh, options here and there. But I, I get it. They're dealing with licensing rights. I don't, I don't know. The reality is just so humdrum compared to what we could imagine that i feel kind of sad trying to like think of like oh what if i could have anything what would i want it's like yeah it is what it is i know the reality is so boring and complicated yeah. and there's a lot of people don't understand like with xbox com backwards compatibility and all all the work that goes into like bringing this obscure game into a, onto a modern console for it to be able to be sold there's so much that goes into that and for us yeah we we want it we don't really understand how boring and how much work and how many teams are involved just to get that. And again, I want to play all these obscure games and I would love that Xbox game pass. I think is the closest thing we have to the, the, the perfect description for me. All I want is if, if Xbox took that and they, they gave me a way to incorporate steam remote play together. If, if, if Xbox game pass ultimate said you can play local games online with your friends under this subscription service, that's it. That's all I need. Like, I don't, Steam doesn't even charge for that. Like, that's something you can mm -hmm. just do on Steam. Even the Steam Deck. I tested Steam Remote Play together on Steam Deck. It works. I could boot up, yeah. I could boot up Secret of Mana on, on my Steam Deck, invite my buddy to play it on Steam. And we're, we're golden. We're going, dude. And that's my constant complaint of Microsoft right now is that they are a, a company with a huge cloud infrastructure, a, a company with a huge online gaming infrastructure. And the fact that Nintendo is doing something that they aren't, I think it's weird. A little bit weird to me. Yes, agreed. Agreed. And I think that's it, Jeff. I think you and I have both deserved a nice 
long, relaxing weekend. So we are going to yes. wrap up today's episode of Xbox Chatterdays to all the amazing people who who tuned in, despite Elden Ring being out. I'm I'm surprised by the turnout because yeah, like we talked about, in, everybody, yeah. everyone's playing Elden Ring, and I get it. I'm going to be playing Elden Ring as soon as we're done here. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out, man. I know you're doing you're doing. Sp- spawn wave later tonight so you're a busy man appreciate you yep. taking the time out of your day and one more time for these lovely flo- folks where can they get a hold of you you know the, the thing is if you want to hang out if you want to like uh like spend time uh like you know in the jeff grub universe just join the discord discord.gg slash game mess uh we got a bunch of channels in there that are always populated with, to talk about anything we got a uh uh, I should make that Elden Ring channel. Uh, like we should make an, a public Elden Ring channel. Oh yes, um, we had our yeah, secret things, one. We had our secret Elden Ring channel. Yeah, when we were reviewing it. Yeah, um, come out hanging out there. We do game like game days. I think we're doing a Mario Kart tournament today. I haven't had a chance to get in there and play, but I know that there's a Mario Kart tournament happening right now. If you want to get in there and play with us, it's going all day. So go make that happen. Uh, that's the best thing to do. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jeff. Um, That is going to be it for today's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Have a fantastic weekend and uh, send me those Elden Ring screenshots on Twitter. I want to see how you're dying out there. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody.